Good morning, everybody. Uh, welcome to the Garden Show on 3CR Radio. I'm Stephen Ryan from Dixonia Rare Plants and the now infamous The Horticulturalists um, YouTube channel. So I hope you're all um, coming in every Friday and seeing what we're doing on YouTube as well. Um, we have a panel here this morning, which is I'm very relieved about, to be honest. Uh, we'll start with you, Craig. Good morning, Craig Wilson from Gentiana Nurseries. Good morning, Stephen, and good morning, listeners. It's a bit of a hairy morning this morning. Uh, yeah, uh, I don't know whether autumn hasn't just actually just disappeared and winter is starting to take its place, Craig. Hopefully it'll be back again. I love autumn. Yeah, oh, it's my favourite Favourite time season, to, yeah, yeah absolutely. Too. Absolutely Beautiful, fabulous. stable weather. Well, supposedly. Yeah. Uh, and our second person in the studio this morning is uh, the indomitable Clive Larkman from Larkman's Nursery. And good morning, Clive. Good morning. We're all out from right out in the sticks, aren't yes. we? Yes, I've come from way over that way. You two have come from way over that way. Yes, uh, yes. And, and the dedication that we three have shown should be actually reciprocated by our listeners. <laughs> so they need to be listening in and they need to get ready to ring us up shortly with uh, questions. They don't, they don't have to get out of bed, though, do they? They can still be lying in bed. I don't want to do the visual on that, but yes, they can still be lying <laughs> in bed and they can ring us from the bedside table or their mobile phones mm. and have a chat to us on radio this morning. Now, Clive, you've come in for a very specific purpose this morning, so I think we should start off with talking about it. We'll go back to it I'm again. I'm coming later. to be nice to you, Stephen. Well, that's all right then. <laughs> uh, well, we'll move on then, shall we? No, you have a very important event coming we've up. We've got our. Yarra Valley Autumn Plant Fair next weekend. Mm-hmm. We've done a, two spring plant fairs, and we're supposed to have done an autumn plant fair last year, but yes. we know what happened to plant fairs <laughs> in 2020. Oh, dear, yes. So this is our first one, and we're setting it all up at the moment, which I'm glad the, the weather's this weekend and not next weekend. Yeah. Have we so, got yeah. the long-term forecast yet? Have you been checking it? Yes, well, the one last night was sunny with a bit of cloud, oh, and 21, 20 degrees and a minimum of 11. And the long terms are all cloudy with the odd possible chance of a shower. We can live oh, with that. Yeah, oh, right. that sounds all right. Yeah. All right, so the plant fair is coming up next weekend, so that's the 17th and yes. 18th. Um, hours? One, it's 10, 10 a.m. to 5 p.m. It's right. 125 Quail Road, that's Q-U-A-Y-L-E, like yes. Dan, Road, Wandon. And for COVID reasons, we'd like you to book online if you can. You don't have to, but it just yeah. means you don't have to... Put your little scanny thing as you're coming up the driveway. All right. So booking online is a good idea. So they could go into the Yarrow Valley plantfair.com.au. Yep. And get their tickets all sorted out. Uh, I understand there's possibly a slight saving as well if you. Yes, do it it's about way. a three dollar saving. Yeah. So, so it's ten and twelve dollars online. And it's twelve and fifteen on site. All right. So it's good, and it makes life a lot quicker. You just come straight through and on into the festival. Fantastic. Now, what's going to happen on that weekend? Well, we've got this funny little man who's going to be doing the MC in the event. He'll <laughs> yeah. be there for two days. wonder who that is. <laughs> His name could be Stephen. Yes. Right. So I'm going to be there, folks. So if you, if you haven't ever seen the mug that's behind this microphone, this is your opportunity to come and see what I look like. And his colour-coded blue T-shirt and red glasses look really good. Oh, yes. Well, <laughs> uh, I will be splendiferously attired when I'm up there, I promise. So you'll be able to good. find me in the distance. Yep. So... Um, We've got about 34 stalls, about 20 plant stalls, and about 10 allied traders and a couple of food vendors. Fantastic. Local wine, local beer. There'll be plants from as far away as Mullumbimby. Goodness me. And and from Vanderbilt... 
Viraya rhododendrons is driving oh. down from Mullumbimby for the weekend, which will be fantastic. Oh, Viraya rhododendrons are an amazing oh, group of plants. Yeah, and a bit hard to find these days. There's yeah. not many growers doing yeah. them anymore, which yeah. is really sad because yeah. they're fabulous pot plants. Yeah, that's right. Unfortunately, the whole, our whole industry tends to be governed by the buyers at the, whole, at the retail network. So mm. they don't buy, the wholesales don't grow, which means the propagators don't propagate. It's, yeah. it's a cycle right. thing. Yeah. And we have um, our friends from Wagga coming down with their irises. Oh, yeah, we import about 100 new irises every, through our quarantine tunnel every year for them, so they'll be coming down with their new irises. Which group? That's Riversdale irises. No, right, yeah, but which group of irises do they grow? Do you know? Bearded. Bearded. Bearded, mm-hmm. yeah. 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 So, um, so we, do, we have a qu- private quarantine tunnel, and we quarantine for importers, and we do the irises for the three main iris importers. Oh. And the fourth one didn't, and his all died, so that'll teach him a lesson. <laughs> Clive, you shouldn't say things like that. Well, he's probably listening to us as we. No, he's speak. in South Australia. Oh, so well, right. yes. well, he can though. Can that's he? yes. That's the thing. People forget that uh, 3CR now. You just have to go into your phone or your oh, computer, yes, yes. and and you can go straight online. Last time I was in here a couple of weeks ago, we actually had somebody ring us in from England. Yes, who was me. listening live. Really? Yes, and is probably listening to us this morning. Good morning, and I think her name was Ellen um, uh, from somewhere in southern England, and she wanted to know what potting mix to use for her proteaceae plants. All right. Um, so Ooh, you, yes. you can well. listen in from anywhere, Clive. That's, that's a good question. Mm, yeah. It is. Yes. Yeah, so well, what potting mix did you tell her to use? Well, we've talked about a low nitrogen potting or a low pot phosphorus phosphorus potting mix, um, and wish you the best of luck mm. because a lot of proteaceae aren't that hardy in England. And also, the problem is there most of their potting mix. Are peat based. Yeah, which not, makes them pretty acid. And it also makes them very hard for the plants to get the water out because yeah, the peat yeah. hangs onto the water. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. So we've also got um, succulent growers, indoor plant growers, we've got perennial growers, we've got um, Peter Harris from White House. Oh, yes, doing the begonias. But he's come down with his tuberous begonias and he came down about a year ago to talk about it. And what they've been doing is they've got breeding begonias. Yeah. And they've sown all these begonias and they've got them to flower. And you can buy the begonia and you can then. And name it, because it's a new cultivar. Yeah, exactly. So you can and have so your you own can begonia. Say, Tuberous begonia, Craig. So yeah. it's, a, it's a great uh, novel idea, and it's a little car to go with it, so you can buy it for your your significant other. Yeah, it'd be a great birthday present, wouldn't it, to arrive yeah. at a birthday party with this completely over-the-top tuberous begonia named yeah. after the recipient. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> well, that was a whole idea, so it yeah. should work well. And yeah, actually, speaking of Peter, we should just mention in passing, too, that over at Ashbourne, where he actually lives, yeah. uh, which is near Wood End. So if people want to find Ashbourne, if you drive up the freeway, take the first exit that you can to Wood End, you'll hit the traffic lights. Ashbourne Road runs into your left and you travel seven kilometres out there and they're on the left-hand side. They're open every weekend through to the end of May. So it's every Saturday, Sunday till the last weekend in May and you can go over and look at Peter yeah. and Jess's amazing display of tuberous begonias and, of course, they have them for sale on site yeah. as well. Oh, yeah, and if you've ever seen a mass, never seen a mass display of begonias, we went to a place near um, one of southern Japanese cities and these sheds, like Jeff's shed, there's three of them just full of begonias in full flower. Oh, it just me. blows your mind. Tuberous begonias. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, it just blows your mind. And then we've got um, oh, uh, Ben Favre from down Drew Way with all his rare and weird, unusual perennials. And we've got Hoster Man with his hostas. And we've oh, got good. Marie, Marie with her um, peonies. So there's a great selection of plants and, and trees. So everything for the backyard garden. And, of course, I'll be emceeing, and that doesn't mean I'm just telling the stallholders what to do. No. We're actually going to have a series of, um, of talks throughout the two days. Yeah. Uh, I'll do at least one a day. Yeah. Um, and we- 
quite a number of the other stallholders who are all specialists in their fields mm. will be coming to talk to you about how to deal with their particular plant life. in your garden. Yeah. We've got Vasily coming up from his farm down near Geelong, so that'll be entertaining. With There's a lot of great Greek teas and foods uh, mm. with his mother, and she's, she's adorable. Yeah. Well, that should be great fun. Mm. And, of course, people will love to meet Vasily in mm. person, so mm. that will be really good. So we've got a whole sort of series of things to entertain and educate people throughout the we two have. days. So it should be fantastic. And we will talk about it again getting towards the end of the show because some people are still slightly asleep. Don't some people like me have very short-term memories. Well, there's that as well. Um, so uh, I've got a couple of other announcements that I probably should mention, and we've also had a couple of questions come in during the week which we might deal with as well. Um, uh, garden openings, they're happening all over the place again. Uh, keep in mind, though, that garden openings, at least at this stage, are by booking as well. Mm. So one has to book uh, tickets. Um, so through the um, Open Gardens Victoria website, you can book tickets to different gardens that are open. Um, and this weekend, um, we have uh, Annie's Garden at Brenda Road Research is open today. Um, and if you happen to be down Portland Way, um, there's a nice garden to look at down there, which apparently is its last opening, uh, Tamandra in 82 Wyndham Street, Narrawong, which apparently is near Portland. I'm afraid I'm not terribly good with my, um, geography about things like that. Um, and, um, next weekend... Uh, is a big weekend for Open Gardens Victoria because we've got uh, Forest Edge at Blackwood, which is an, a hectare undulating garden with many significant trees and great autumn colour, is going to be open. Bolabek, um, probably right. one of Macedon's most famous gardens. Um, it's a heritage-listed rural property on about 1,600 acres. Um, the garden itself is probably about four or five acres, mm. I think. Uh, it's got wonderful mature trees, beautiful vistas, avenues of, of poplars and linden trees and, and what have you. Um, and it's certainly a garden worthwhile visiting. Um, uh, but do remember to book ahead for all those. So that's really important to do that. Um, I believe we're supposed to have a giveaway, but I haven't got all the details yet. So hopefully before the end of the program, uh, I'll work out what it is we're actually supposed to be giving away for Ooh. Open Gardens Victoria. <laughs> uh, and we'll move on from there. Um, and just uh, finally, I'll just whip through these couple of questions that came in during the week. Um, just so that we've uh, dealt with it so I don't forget later on. Um, uh, Gillian has several lavender bushes that she planted 18 months ago, has never pruned them. Should I prune all new growth for a while, and if so, for how long? And should I be doing any significant pruning after flowering? Okay. Well, Clive, I think you can deal with this. Yes, you grow a lot of we just delivered 65,000 to a lavender farm, so... <laughs> You must know something about lavenders. Okay. Um, all lavenders should be pruned by at least 30% once a year. Mm-hmm. If it's an English style, not an English, but that, that tall, thin flower stem, mm. about 30% just after flowering. Good to prune, probably late January, early February. Pump in the n- nitrogen and water over autumn, and then just leave them alone till the following but season. But you do it every year? Every year. Yeah, all right. That probably answers Gillian's one first question. Um, now, she wanted to know, I've collected autumn leaves in a wire container about two metres wide and one metre deep. Is there any risks of rodents in this, and what is the best deterrent uh, to that happening? Well, 
if it's just leaf litter, I can't see how rodents would be a problem. Unless they want to nest in it. Mm. Yeah, and, and oh. then they'll find somewhere to nest. Yeah. Uh, mm. and I, but, oh. I mean, they're not, it's not going to help them breed particularly. Oh. I don't think there's necessarily no. a problem. I mean, I'm always chasing bloody rats and things around my oh. place because I've got chickens and I've got <coughs> compost heaps and I've got... If you've got some mint, throw some mint in. They don't like mint. Don't they? No. Oh. So... Oh. So, you know, they don't yeah. like a mint julep then, obviously. Probably not. <laughs> yes. Uh, and the final one, and this might be for you, actually, Clive, in a way. Uh, I would like to know the name of the chilli that you mentioned on the show that was cold tolerant. I was wondering if it had black seeds, and are these the only type that were able to find, as these were the only type I was able to find on a Google search? Cold hardy chilli. Exactly. Chilies. Its common name is manzano or ricotto. It comes from the high countries of Peru and Bolivia. It will tolerate, it loves the Yarra Valley, it's ideal growing conditions, lives for about five to ten years, and it is the only chilli with black seeds that uh-huh. I know of. And uh, when would one buy that particular chilli if you were buying Hopefully at our plant fair next week. Aha! Uh-huh. If not, go to your local garden centre and ask them to get in from Renaissance Herbs. I think we've got man- manzano or ricotta in stock. Comes is it herbaceous or...? Yes, no, 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 it's not herbaceous, it's no? a shrub. It's a yes. shrub, okay. It's a pr- so it'd be, it'd be a soft-wooded shrub. Yeah, yeah, mm. and it, um, it will grow for quite a few years. It produces a, a capsicum-shaped fruit. Mm. It's a wet fruit, so it's very hard to dry because it's very moist inside. It's in a medium to high heat level, but it's a great, great for the Yarra Valley and, and parts of Victoria where it gets cold because it's quite cold-tolerant. Cold All right, well, I hope that that has helped you, um, Cheryl, from Bitten. And oh. maybe we'll see you next weekend down yeah, at the Yarramere Valley. It's a short hour, drive up to the East Link, and everything. it's not too bad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. well, I'm going to have to travel further to get there, so let's, yes. let's you know, hope that everybody else will, in fact, um, get involved as well. Um, all right, now... We've got everything sorted, I think, with regards to events and questions. Um, I probably should open up the line so that people can ring us in. Um, and so I'm now looking, ruffling through bits of paper till I find the one I want. Ah, there we go. If people would like to ring and talk to me or to Clive Larkman from Larkman's Nursery or Craig Wilson from Gentiana Nursery, we would love to hear from you. And the phone number to ring in this morning if you want to ask a question online is 941-90155. So that's 941-90155. And you can ring in at any time now if you would like to have a chat to any of us three Guys here in the studio this morning, which would be... If you've got someone in England, perhaps you should give the international code. Oh, goodness. No, plus, plus 613. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Clive. <laughs> they found it themselves, which I'm very excited about. It's astonishing. It is. It's the first, look, I've been on this program on a regular mm. basis now for probably over 30 years, mm. and we used to get excited if we had a phone call from Bensdale. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so suddenly we've got this phone call coming in from England. And when it came up on the screen and it said UK, I thought, no, there's some sort of spelling mistake. Yeah. I wasn't expecting that. So, um, yeah, so that was quite exciting. So if there's anybody out there listening to us in Dubai or California or Iceland, or Iceland or, yeah. would be good. Reykjavik, I'd love to get a phone call from Reykjavik. That would be fantastic. Um, don't hesitate to give us a ring. The only problem I found with having this phone call from the UK, of course, is that little gappy bit where yeah. you tend to talk over each other. Mm. Yeah. So it would need to be a short phone call because it doesn't make great radio, unfortunately. <laughs> but it's very exciting to hear from people from a long, long way away. Uh, so that's really fantastic. So remember, 94190155 if you would like to ring in uh, and, and have a chat to us. And I believe the complimentary pass... For 
for the garden is the Blackwood Garden. Uh, so if people want to go to Forest Edge uh, near the Wombat State uh, Forest, if they could ring into the station, uh, we're giving away uh, a complimentary pass for two people uh, to, to Forest Edge Garden in Blackwood. So first in best dressed, if somebody wants to ring in and take that uh, opportunity to go out and have a look at a lovely garden out of Blackwood, and it's a lovely area mm. out there. You could go driving through Trentham, Perhaps have an, an afternoon tea in Trentham would be or, nice. Or a nice meal at the pub with a fire going. And yeah, the Cosmopolitan yeah. would be nice. Uh, <laughs> or Bollebeck as well, obviously. Well, yeah. no, Bollebeck is... Um, it's the following weekend. The following weekend, weekend. Okay. yeah. So this, this one is, in fact, for today. Uh, so you'd need to get your skates on um, yeah. and deal with that. But there's plenty around the... Um, Trentham area to go and have a look at, so you'd have a lovely day out. So first in best dressed gets that um, free complimentary pass for two people from Open Gardens Victoria. All right, now we might talk about a few plants. I'll start with you, Craig. You've got a little tray full of um, goodies, yes, that you brought down from home. I even bought something this morning. I've got out of the habit of bringing plants because when you're in charge of this blasted panel, you've got to concentrate on it. So I don't bring a lot of plants in these days, but I thought I'd bring one down, which we'll talk about later. Um, But let's have a talk about some of the things that are interesting in your nursery at the moment. Uh, Brachyglottis is one that I bought in today, and there's a few of them, you know, the the Rangiora. The big one people would be familiar with, bloody Brachyglottis rapanda, which doesn't prune that well. No, it's a a fairly sort of... Big rangy plant. Yeah, it it is a big rangy plant, uh, but it has beautiful tropical-looking leaves. Beautiful foliage. There was an enormous one across the road at um, Mirabinda, which um, the landscaper took out. Oh! Yes, that's right. Mm, Some landscapers, I don't know. Among other things, Yeah. yeah. But, but look, there is some, some really good smaller ones. There's a hybrid um, with um, grey eye, so it's rapandum cross grey eye, which gets to about mm, 1.5 metres, I oh, suppose. that's not a bad size. It's a good yeah. size. And good evergreen foliage. Big leaves, mm. intensely silver underneath. Yeah. And it has the advantage of coping with light pruning. Ah, good. Yeah, little bits regularly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because yeah, the, the normal Rangiora, you do have to be careful to prune because you, you can bugger it up fairly easily, can't you? Yeah, guilty as charged. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, I might add, though, the, the normal one, the, the big leafed one, is a stunningly good-looking plant. It's beautiful. Uh, and you can get it in a green and a purple leaf right. form. Yeah. And they're both silver underneath. Yeah. Uh, and one of its common names is Bushman's Toilet Paper. That's right. <laughs> yeah. And times have been tough, oh, and yeah, toilet paper's been pretty hard to get at times. Yes, well, they are big, soft leaves. So yeah, they yeah. are big, soft leaves. Yeah. Um, and strong. And, and strong, yes. So, uh, softer than sorbent, apparently. Yeah. Um, Shade tolerant? Yes, comparatively. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. 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 So I still like the ordinary one, yeah. for the, and I don't mind some things not being that bushy. I yeah. mean, so everybody seems to have some terrible thing in, in their lives where they've got to hide themselves from everybody, and yeah. bushiness isn't always. Because toilet paper is It depends on what they're doing. When they start ranging over plants that are perhaps yeah. a little bit more important, it yeah, becomes yeah. an issue. Yeah, well, your management can yeah. be an issue yeah. sometimes. But anyhow, so this one hasn't got a particular cultivar name. No. 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 So it's just grey. Grey eye cross, cross rapandum. And it's not often seen. I bought it from Don Teese no. ma- many, many years ago, and he yeah. didn't know what it was. And it's taken me quite a while to find it. Yeah. Well, it's the same thing again. Um, you know, we propagate for a lot of business, and we don't do brachyglottis because there isn't demand there. Then, of course, the question is, if you don't propagate, how do you create demand? But oh, it's, yeah, there's but financial realities of trying to 
yeah. introduce plants and put them out there. Yeah, because yeah, people it. will introduce the next rose because people know what a rose is. Mm. Yeah. Something like a brachyglottis. Now, does that one have attractive blossom, by the way? It, it has the, the standard yellow daisy. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I mean, mm. my inclination is to cut them off and get more foliage. Yeah. But, you know, some people like them. Yeah. 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 There's a couple of little ones, a couple of grey eye hybrids. One of them is um, Sunshine, which has been around forever. Oh, yeah, yeah, very old fashioned thing. It's a fantastic plant, and I grow it deep, dry shade. Yeah. Yeah. And with that sort of silvery grey foliage and deep shade, yeah. it stands out. That's right. right. Yeah. Because most foliages for deep shade tend to be dark green. That's mm. right. So and, and it doesn't lose the silver yeah. in the shade. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah. that'd be a great winter colour for a shade, heavy shade spot. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and it, look, it's good for highlighting. I mean, if you, you could plant it next to your clivia or something. Yeah, yeah. so just thinking, you know, that's yeah. fantastic. It, yeah. really, it really works well on the shade. Same yellow daisy, yeah. easily pruned. Yeah, so yeah. you can keep it reasonably that's neat right. and, and yeah. compact if you want to do so. And less than a metre. Yeah, Seven, 60, 70 centimetres? Yeah, well, that's Maybe. quite small. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and comparatively drought tolerant. Yeah, I've yeah. never watered it. It, it. You see it on the coast of New Zealand, yeah. right right down to the edge of the, the sand. So salt tolerant as well. Salt tolerant as well. Yeah. So Good all plant. along the coast. All so you could take it down to Portland today and show them down there. <laughs> I guess if you yeah. want to go all the way to Portland. Yes. Yeah. Um, right. And there's another grey eye hybrid. This is a much newer one called Otari Cloud, ah. which has a wavy edge and a little bit mm. of silver sort of appears on the upper surface yeah. of the leaf, so it gives it that sort of frosted look. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's Um, really pretty. And again, I guess the same yellow flowers. Yeah, same yellow flowers, a little bit bigger than sunshine. So up to 1, 1.2 metres. Yeah. Yeah. Haven't tried it in dry shade yet, I'll let you know. Yes, yes. Yeah, Yeah, work in progress there. But it looks like it would be a good plant for that sort of um, condition. I think so. I think it would be exactly the same. Yeah. Yeah, that would be my guess. Yeah. Yeah. All right, that's fantastic. Yeah. Uh, all right, well, we might move to Clive, but before we do, I'll just mention our phone number again because you're all sleeping in this morning. Um, please give us a ring and have a chat to us about things on 94190155. That's 94190155. Now, Clive, you've brought in right. a, an array of all sorts of yeah. disparate no, plants. Nothing really special, just to show in our renaissance romantic range that we, yeah. we grow a great range of plants from indoor to outdoor and edibles and mm-hmm. indoor have gone crazy at the moment as we all oh, know yes everybody wants indoor plants but right. well you've gone begonia for I've indoors. Dealt with them, yeah. <laughs> yes you've got those i'm dealing with a few things at work that uh, i think make quite good indoor plants just so that i've got something i can offer yeah. The, yeah. the every second customer that comes in That's looking for indoor exactly plants. Right, well, yeah. our indoor range is i actually call them cool climate indoors they're, they're patio indoor they don't have to be heated yeah. and it's very right. important for us because we don't have heating and i've been madly collecting them and this one's, we all know Schaeffler, but it's had a name change. It's now Tupidendistra. Ah, oh, dear. Well, I'm not sure it's a name change, or they just realised the plant they've been growing is the wrong plant, one or the other. Yeah, yeah. But they're happens. just a good standard one. But a little anecdote, we've got a, a we grow, we do some quarantining and special for other growers, and um, a young lady who has these range of philodendrons, and when her six centimetre pot price drops to $400, she takes it out of her range. <laughs> yeah, I've why seen the prices we, they charge. Yeah, why yeah. can't we get prices like that for some of our plants? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, we delivered a, half a tray of plants to a girl in Tasmania who was then on selling them, and there was about 18 plants there, and the total value of the tray was over $4,000. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I it's think it's a really big day if I sell a $200 weeping maple. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, 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 it's just yeah. crazy. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, but what it, it is creating a problem because a lot of people are trying to import plants because they, they go on the internet and they find this you know, variegated monstera for $3.50 in Thailand and they're selling for 1500 here. Yeah. 
and they're getting burnt. Yeah, well, of course they will. The people in Asia are selling bad plants or they're selling good plants. They get here and quarantine says, thank you very much, in the bin. So just warning people, if you're going to do that, you've got to go through someone proper. You've got to get an import permit and a license and everything else. Yes, and it all takes time. Uh, You've got to work through the bureaucracy. It costs money. Uh, Quite a lot. Yeah, Yeah. so at the end of the day, you've got to be really dedicated if you're going to bring in plants. And there's only... seed. Yeah. Yeah. And there's only three or four people like ourselves actually do commercial quarantine for collectors. And we did get some Anthurium clavianum, which is one of the new trendy plants. Mm. 100 plants, total value $150,000. Clive. I know, I'm sitting there going, this came in about four days before Christmas, and I don't want these in my quarantine. (laughs) But they all came through beautifully, and they came out of Germany. Because I'd be frightened to have plants around like that that were somebody else's. I mean, if they're my own and I'm taking the risk. um, But having somebody else's plants of that sort of value. Very scary, and I I try not to ask the value because I don't want to know. One of the most weird ones we ever did was um, two cuttings from a Sri Lankan Buddhist temple that came direct cuttings off the Buddha tree in Bodhgaya. Oh, good. And every Friday the monks would come in and they'd ch- dance and chant and pray over the plant. And Do they live? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. You've got them one's in the temple in Mount Evelyn, one's in the temple in Sydney. Okay. So Goodness me. Priceless good. plants, but oh. it was just really fascinating. And they wanted to bring orchid petals. And my wife said, no, you can't put those. It's a quarantine time. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was going to say, um, the next time somebody comes into my nursery and whinges about the price of plants, well, i got some stories to tell <laughs> yeah, them. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, There's one of these schlepheras that I'm desperate for. Yeah. It's called Taiwaniana. Yeah. Beautiful, oh, big, long, in that fine group. leaves. Drop me an email because we've got... I've got importers who yeah. import from there, and I can yeah. ask them to go looking for it. Yeah. And I was really annoyed many years ago. There's a place in North Wales. You've probably been to Krug Farm. Oh, yes. I, I've yeah. done my pill. They have an amazing selection of them. I know. And I, I, every time I go there, I'm in a hire car. And by the time yeah. I drive out, there's barely room for me to get in the hire car yeah. with the plants. Yeah. And I rang my wife and said, I've got this great bronze, gold bronze leaf chef Lara. Yeah. We're not growing chef Lara's. Don't get it. They what? have they have no. Taiwaniana. No. Yeah, yeah, I that's I'm I said I remind I said now remember five ten years ago you told me not to get the chef Lara? Oh. We'd be selling lots of them now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, well it is a good thing to have something like that in the background to keep throwing back at people, I find. Oh. Yes. Especially oh. partner. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so we I'll I'll keep an eye out for you, yeah. don't you know. It's, yeah, it's a I'll, beautiful plant. Any th- things in that Aureliaceae group that yeah. are in fact cold hardy. Yeah. Are so desirable. So desirable. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and yeah. we just don't have enough of them. But no, we under, no, we underestimate it. I always put on shade loving plants. We've got monsters growing all over our garden in Lillydale. And yeah. we get frost. They're fantastic shade plants. Yeah. Same with the philodendrons. They grow really, really well. Yeah. They, we even get them fruiting. The fruit never ripens, but they still fruit. So they're great indoor, outdoor plants. So yeah. does Pseudopanax crassifolia grow indoors? I don't see why not. Oh, I reckon it probably would. It's I'm very the, similar to one of these. Yeah. We'll try it on the edge because we've got a few pseudopanics we imported in the early 90s. So yeah. we're going to try on yeah. a few of those. Well, I yeah. sell a few of the Lessonii yeah. hybrids yeah. to people yeah. as indoor plants. Yeah. Uh, I've got Purpurea yeah. and Cyril Watson and Gold Splash. Yeah. And most of my clients that have been buying it have been finding it oh. quite good as an indoor plant. I would have thought so, because you see them in the forests yeah. in New Zealand growing mm. on the well, forest floor, I, and it's dark. I'd yeah. love to get... A juvenile foliage lasonii. Because you, you like the fiddlesticks, those really yeah. long, stupid looking leaves. The trouble yeah. is, they outgrow that. Yeah, I know. Because yeah, so t- Telstar. Pseudopanax lasonii yeah, Telstar has, has long leaves. So it's, it's kept the juvenile foliage, yeah. Yeah, yeah not quite like the, the lancewoody one. No, it, it looks like a hybrid between them. Yeah. yeah. Between mm-hmm. lancewood and, and yeah. um, lasonii. No, they're beautiful plants. You go yeah. to one in the bush in New Zealand, they're just magnificent. Yeah. But, yeah. yeah. So, so have come back into their own whatever their yeah, name is. Yeah, Good, and I like them. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I think they're great. And I love yeah. indoor plants like that that are tough and easy yeah. to grow and 
just don't water them. Yeah, that's yeah. right. People ring and say, oh, my, Clive, my plant's dying. I only water it. What do you mean you only water it? Don't, no, don't, don't. It's like you're back in gloves. Don't water them. Yeah. 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 So yeah. The thing with indoor plants is that you water them and then you dry them right out. Yeah, yeah, yeah before you and go And then again. you water them again. Yeah. But I, I've, I, over this weekend, I've had at least three people say how often. Yeah. And you say, well, you can't really say how, how often. Long's a piece of string. I say yeah. every Thursday at 2 o'clock. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's just one of those things you can't do. Um, well, some of our plants, like the Zalmiococcus group, Oh. I saw them in, in Europe 30 years ago, and, and they were in office foyers. Mm. And people say, how often? Well, if you're asking the question, how often, you're watering it too often. Yeah. You, it, you it, just it, don't water it. The best way to, to, to gauge whether a plant needs water or not is by the weight of the pot. Yeah. Except for some, like a clivia yeah. and like the um, zalmias, they, they like it bone dry. Yeah. So you've got to look, really got to look at the leaves, and if the leaves start to change colour a little bit, then you water it. But otherwise, yeah. just don't, don't water it. Yeah. All right, well, we've got our first call coming in, mm. and this is somebody that we know quite well. Um, good morning, Margot. Good morning, steve How are you? Good Margot and from Lauriston. Well, <laughs> yes. <laughs> All right, what is your question? Oh, sorry, I'm hearing things. Strangely, but anyway, I'll kick off. Yeah. Um, first of all, I just want to say I'm gardening outside already with a you know park on because it's freezing. Mm. But I've got my phone in my pocket, so I'm listening to you. <laughs> oh, good well, good. <laughs> so it's possible to do mm. two things at once. Um, and my question is, I've just picked all the apples off one of my apple trees, mm. and just wondering whether it's too late to do that summer prune. Right. You can it still does need a bit of a tidy up. I would do it. Uh, in fact, I have to tell you, Margot, uh, around our vegetable garden at home, we've got a series of fruit trees that we'd sort of vaguely espaliered years ago, and they we had we built frames out of bush logs, um, and the fruit trees got out of hand. The bush logs started rotting away and falling down, so mm. the frames were sort of all in dreadful condition. And we, about three weeks ago, pruned all of our big fruit trees back to stumps, um, and we've built the frames back again, yeah. and some of them are shooting now. Uh, I think the cherry might wait till next spring now, but uh, the others are all shooting away again. Um, so, you know, I, I mean, that's excessive pruning, but it had to be done. But I don't see any reason. Sure yeah, I'm like about it. to do all the apples at Long Acres yeah, yeah, because so it's convenient for me to do them now. You just yeah. have to identify the fruiting spurs. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, so oh, sometimes you do things yeah. when you've got the time to do things. That's right. Yeah, and so I think apples fall into that basket. Yeah. 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 Right. So off okay. you go, Margot. It'd give you a nice right. warming job to do today. What are you doing with all well, the apples? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm giving them away. I'm cooking them. Yeah. <clears throat> Easter, we had, you know, basketfuls for the local kids. Oh, and they liked well, them more than the Easter eggs. <laughs> with the sugar. Weird <laughs> children, if you ask me. Good sign, I like it. <laughs> yeah. All right, well, thank you for calling in, Margot, and okay. back to the garden. Okay, thank you. Bye. Bye. All right, well, that was good. We've had our first call in, mm. and it was something we could handle quite easily. That yes. was nice for us. Yes. Now, I might just mention the plant I bought in, because it's just sitting here minding its own business. I've become somewhat passionate about neotropical blueberries. So, okay. So, you know, and they're an amazing group of plants. Can we just go back one so, step? Is one that Cavendishia? Or no, it's not. No, let's, let's just go, what's neotropical? Well, plants that come from that tropical region, but they're not truly tropical because they come from up in the hills or the mountains. So, right, right. And there's plants from 
This one comes from Costa Rica. Yeah. Uh, there's plants from all through the Americas, mm. uh, across New Guinea, southern Australia, uh, northern Australia, the Himalayas, the foothills of the Himalayas, so virtually circumnavigating Vietnam the world. Vietnam southern India them. and Sri Lanka. Yep, yeah. yep. So yeah. there's neotropical blueberries all over the place. Now, this is one called Maclenia, uh, Maclenia glabra, which comes from Costa Rica. Uh, it's an evergreen trailing shrub or potentially uh, sort of scandon shrub. You could treat it as a semi-climber. Um, because it's often epiphytic in the wild, it can stay in a comparatively small pot for donkey's mm. ears. Uh, I've got this one in just a, a, a wire-hanging basket with a core uh, you know, coconut fibre layer inside it, and it's just coming out into flower. Now, they, a lot of them are autumnal flowering, and it has a rich pink, very heavy textured, almost plastic-like flower. Hoyer-like flower. Yeah, so with, pink, yeah, yeah. Uh, with a whitish tip, and it's then followed by a quite large blue-black berry, which is edible, like all the neotropical blueberries are uh, edible. Not all of them are overly exciting. So it's edible, but not eatable. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I say palatable and edible are, are two different things. Sometimes. Do they have flavour? Uh, not a lot. Okay. Yeah, you know, there's a lot of moisture in them. They're quite a, a, a. But then I don't think the commercial blueberry has that much flavour. No, to be it honest, it depends on the time of year you eat them. Yeah. <clears throat> I mean, I go and pick blueberries at the beginning of March. Yeah. And they are fantastic. Yeah, but you're picking blueberries yeah. as against buying. Yeah, blueberries. as about, well, we yeah, don't buy punnets. Yeah. yeah. But anyhow, so Maclenia, I, I haven't got it for sale yet. Uh, I did have a couple of small plants that went to collectors recently. Uh, I've just put in some fresh cuttings. Um, it's co- not cold. Hardy, I so I could put that in my um, indoor plant range. I don't see why not. Some of these neotropical blueberries would work quite well. I would, would, have thought would they indoor. fruit indoors? Don't know. Don't I'll, know. To, I'll get one off you. Yeah, you well, need a pollinator. You, yeah, you, you, Does it? Yeah, you probably need to let the flies in or Looks something. Looks like a job it. for hummingbirds to <laughs> me. <laughs> yeah, you need to have a hummingbird. In your, <laughs> That's yeah, right. Yeah. I can um, have a hummingbird living in my house. I wouldn't mind. Yeah, well, I have to say this one has fruited outside, so that's fine, as have several other of my neotropical blueberry group. Um, but this has wonderful waxy foliage. Mm. The new growth is a beautiful sort of shrimp pink. Um, it has a lovely arching form. Uh, I put it away in the igloo for the winter because uh, I don't think that they're quite... This particular one, anyway, isn't really frost-hardy, but it can go down to quite low mm. temperatures. I've got a couple of New Guinean... They'd, uh, they'd be up quite high in the mountains, though, yeah, wouldn't yeah, they? Yeah. yeah, well, I've got a couple of the New Guinean ones, one which is about to flower at the moment, a thing called Dimorphanthra alpina, which has pale pink, almost baby pink, uh, quite long tubular flowers on okay. it. It's absolutely stunning thing. Yeah. Um, but nobody's doing anything with them, which in a sense sort of suits me. You want to. Yes, I will. Yes, I can see you would. Um, the issue at the moment, of course, is because I'm one of the few people that have got some of these plants, I'm doing what some of those other indoor plant doers, growers are doing, but not quite to the same extent, and I'm charging quite a bit for them when I have them ready so for sale. So you should. Yeah. Mm. Uh, my Dimorphanthras, I think I've got one left at the moment. I've been charging $88 for them in an 8-inch pot, uh, which I don't think is outrageous, because um, you just can't buy it. That's right. I, I, I don't like the can't buy it as a reason to charge a lot of money. That's one of my wife's philosophies. Yeah. My philosophy is it's cost you a lot of money yeah. to get the first plant to grow it up, learn how to grow it, propagate it and produce it. Yeah. That's got to be made back. Yeah, for yeah. that reason, I think you should be charging what you can for it to cover those costs. Yeah, well, I think so, and that's why I can't quite understand the $1,500 for a variegated Monstera and all that sort of thing, because yes, they're actually, co- actually fairly easy to propagate. Yes, but if you collected matchbox cars and there's a really rare oh, red yes, Toyota true. came along, you'd spend two or 3000 right. for it. It's the rareness, and it's the fact that you can sit there. 
those variegated monsteras, the Thai constellations, are now down sort of hundred dollars a plant. Yeah. This, it's the the other new variegated one that's coming through that's getting the money. Yeah. Although I might add, you can at least propagate those. You can't propagate a new matchbox car. Yeah. <laughs> no. So no. there, there, there also, are yeah. differences. So the rareness is not going to last for very long. No. Yeah. no. Yeah. It's like the but black tulip or yeah. remember the tulip. Well, we mm. don't. We didn't. We weren't around yeah. back then, no. but tulip mania yeah. where people were paying yeah. you know, the price of a house for a virus tulip. Yeah, yeah. I know. I mean, yeah. A little while ago, people were paying a fortune for Pilea, you know, yeah. they're everywhere now. Yeah. 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 Yes, I actually saw that on the net and things with people paying ridiculous prices, right. and they're quite but easy that to plant, But that plant has quite. the most amazing history, <laughs> the um, Pilea peperoides. Yeah. It's been grown all around the world in indoor plant collections, but yeah. nobody ever identified it. Right. Yeah. And it's just been grown as this little plant. Everybody kept growing, everyone wanted it. It was passed on by friend to friend. And it wasn't until mid-century that it actually got identified. So, but long after it been well-grown around the world. So Isn't that interesting? Very interesting history to it. What about yeah. in the garden? Does it go? It'll go, again, in a, in a sheltered, warmish garden. Yeah. It won't do very well at Linda. Well, you never know. I'm going to give it a bash. Yeah. Yeah. No, I doubt that it'll do terribly well at Massive. No. no I have no. to say. But right, boy, it doesn't a... like water. No, no, no. no, it doesn't oh, want no, to get you. No. Well, it's very succulent. Yeah. Yeah. All right, we've got another call come through, so we better deal with this one right up the top here. Um, Adam, are you there? Adam from Heathmont. Hello. Good morning, Adam. How are you this morning? Good morning. I'm well. How are you all? We're good. Now, you've got a question for us. Yes, I've got, um, I think it's about five, possibly six sort of large-ish philodendrons, like all clumped together in the garden. Yeah. And I, I kind of want to uh, remove them. I'm thinking about putting them in a, a very large pot. Can I? Do I have to? How? Because it's got aerial roots. I was thinking of just sort of cutting them, cutting them off, and then planting them in some potting mix. Will that work? It's almost like a dixonia. Like you, you, you just cut it. You don't get right down to the roots. It would possibly work if those aerial roots have got nice white tips. You, you can yeah. chop them up like a monstera and put them in a pot, but they've got to be kept very, very moist, but not wet until they start to put the new roots on. Wouldn't be a good time of year to do that, would it? If you're going to, if you're an indoor a glass house, it's fine. Yeah. Um, we do our major monstera propagation in April, but mm. we're not growing in a heated glass house, but it is a warm, mm. sheltered environment mm. um, because they're putting lots of new root growth on now, okay. which you actually want to encourage. Mm. Um, but if you chop it up, you've got to make sure each piece has leaf nodes and root nodes that makes sense Adam yes yeah I mean it's, it's pretty large and it's sort of quite woody the um the aerial roots sort of so it's a climbing you've actually got like a climbing stem yeah just chop it up make sure each one has a, a plant a leaf node and a root node you need to keep it really really wet for a while and then slowly dry it out I can try that. Yeah. And look, in some ways, you've got little to lose. If you do need to deal with the plant, mm. um, yeah, then yeah. you might as well see if you can turn it into a whole pile more. I mean, you might not kept, get everyone to live, but, you know, you'll get a percentage to live, and that's probably enough. Yeah, that'll work. But just yeah. said, you've got to keep it really wet until it starts to put its new roots on. Um, damp, not, not sort of swimming in it or... Almost swimming in it. Um, what what we'll uh, sometimes do is we'll even let them sit in a bucket of water for a few weeks before you put them into a pot. Just the, yeah, the bottom I'll, part where the roots are. Yep. It okay. seems to encourage the roots root um, nodes to start growing. Okay, very good. Thank All you right. very much. All, All right. right, thank you, Adam. Thanks. Bye.
that, that concept of moist, not wet, is always an interesting concept. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's, yeah. yeah, it's yeah. not easy to explain it to people um, because you sort of get you get inherently used to it, I guess, when you're growing lots of plants and it's, it, you do it without thinking. Yeah. You, yeah. you know something needs a drink almost just by looking yeah. at it from a distance. Yeah. Um, whereas the, you know, the new gardener struggles mm. with all those and concepts. It's, it's wet, dry, wet, dry, wet, dry yeah. all the time. And you, you, know, you have to understand that the, the roots breathe. Yeah. yeah. And this is with lavender. I'll go people about lavender. I said, when you water it, you drown the plant. Yeah. Drown it because you can't. People think overwatering is putting too much water on it, when really overwatering is not quite the right term. Overwatering yeah. is not allowing it to dry out. Yeah, too frequently. Yeah, yeah, so it hasn't got enough air. And there's all the kinds of, there's other plants that like really moist soil because it creates humidity. And they don't like it if their roots dry. Yeah. It's, it's, it's really, it's such a broad area. And teaching people how to water is so, so hard. Yeah, well, in the bonsai nurseries in Japan, it's 12 months. That's the course. To learning to water. The first so 12 months. And then, yeah. then you get to start watering. Yeah. <laughs> then yeah. you really start learning. And yeah. then one day you'll get to prune. Yeah. I think the weight of the pot's fundamental. Yeah. Because if you read the label on an indoor plant, it says to scratch the surface. Mm. But that doesn't really tell you what's happening deep down. No. Yeah. No. Yeah. And you can, in fact, have a very wet lower layer of potting mix. Uh, and the top can be comparatively dry. That's and you right. can't and, feel that. And the opposite. If someone just lightly waters all the time, the top stays moist and yeah. the bottom and goes the bottom bone, dries bone out. dry. Yeah. It, 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 but it's really understanding the plant you're growing. Is it a plant that needs a good dry period? Mm-hmm. Is it a plant that needs mm-hmm. to be kept just moist? Yeah. It, it's, you've got to understand your plant. Yeah, yeah. that's right. But that's all gardening, I reckon. But yeah. sometimes yeah. It's, I try and teach new people in the industry is think about where the plant came from yeah. and what's going to be happening there. Mm-hmm. Like lavender, you can drown the plant in winter. It doesn't care one iota how wet it is in winter. Yeah. But come February... It doesn't like being wet at all. No, so exactly. It needs to dry out. Yeah. Now, we've got another call coming in, so we might go to Margaret in Melton. Good morning, Margaret. Oh, good morning. Um, my, my question is about colchigans, yeah. um, autumn crocus. Mm-hmm. Um, I bought some bulbs probably about five years ago as autumn crocus, and I keep them in pots, but they... Never flower, and at the moment they've got leaves on them. And to my understanding, the flowers come first and then the leaves, but they're actually in leaf at the moment, and I haven't had any flowers for about five years. <laughs> Margaret, are they in the same pot and the same potting mix that you put them in when you first got them? Um, no, what I do is when they um, die down, I just leave them in the soil and then I repot them in the um, about January or February. Mm. Look, I don't think colchicums make good pot plants, personally. Uh, I think they'd be better in the ground. Are they getting getting enough sun? Yeah, that's right. I was going to say that. I I would suspect Um, they're not getting enough sunlight in their growing period, so they don't have all the oomph ready to go. All right, possibly that might be the case. But if... um, is it my understanding that they shouldn't be in leaf now? They're in leaf in spring? It's early for them to come into leaf. They, they normally leaf, um, are, start leafing fairly soon after the flowers finish. Now, the flowers are just finishing in most of them in my garden at the moment. Yeah. So their foliage will yeah. be following in the next few weeks. So it's, it's not spring the foliage comes up. It's sort of more or less early winter. And the foliage stays okay. up until the early spring when you get your first warm days. Yeah. And then it starts to collapse. Yeah. Okay, so maybe what's happened is they've missed the flowering season again, and so maybe I'll take them out of the pots and put them in the garden. I think they'd be, the yeah, I'd put them in the garden in a reasonably sunny yeah. spot and somewhere you don't water too much in the summer. 
so that they don't get too wet in the summer when they're dormant. They're pretty easy. Mm. Yeah, you should have no problems with them. So will I um, wait till the leaves die down and then put them in spring again? Will the leaves die down over winter? No, the leaves won't die down over winter. The leaves stay up over winter, die down in spring. How many pots do you have? Okay, all right, good. I'll, I'll try that then. I was going to say, Margaret, I would put them in the ground now. Yeah. Uh, I have never lost a bulb that I have planted when it's been actively growing. Yeah. Mm. Oh, okay, so even though they've got leaves on them, yeah. I'll put yeah. them in the ground And, and if you put them in the ground now, there's a chance that you'll get flowers next, next year. Next autumn, Whereas yes. in the pot, probably not. But in a sunny spot. Oh, okay. In a sunny spot, yeah. All right. All right, good. Thank you. I'll try that. Thank all right. you. See you later, Margaret. Okay, bye. Bye. All right, uh, just got to get used to pressing all the right buttons. There we go. All right, so I hope we help Margaret with her Colchicums. This business of crocus. Where, where are they from? Colchicums uh, are mainly Mediterranean yeah. in origin, uh, and some of them grow quite high up in the hills and mountains and things. But they're yeah, they're generally from a Mediterranean style climate, so yeah. they're used to growing through the winter when they're getting their natural rain, mm. and they're used to being pretty bone dry right through the summer. Right. So. You know, it shouldn't be too hard to replicate that here in this country. Yeah, easy. Yeah. But I could almost guess if they're in pots, they're on a patio or a veranda and they're just not getting enough sunlight. Yeah, and they yeah. wouldn't be fed properly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. See, in pots, a lot of those things have quite vigorous root systems mm. and they take up what nutrients are left yeah. there yeah. very quickly uh, and then they don't have a chance mm. to settle down to flower. Bulbs in pots on, on a long-term basis requires some skill. Oh, yeah. Mm. yeah. So yeah. I think most, yeah, most yeah. in the ground. Yeah. I, I, there's not many bulbs I would keep as permanent yeah. pot plants. Particularly for dormancy, it's really mm. hard to get the moisture levels right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, while we're waiting for some more calls to come in, I might just mention the phone number again. Uh, it's 94190155. And if you wanted to text us too, I keep forgetting the text number. Uh, it's 0433309855. So if you wanted to send us a text, we'd be more than happy to answer your question via the text, text message as well. Right. So there we go. Clive, you've still got a few interesting and plants we do, there. Yeah, edibles, and these are pretty common. It's a good time now in the year to put your chards, your leafy vegetables, your beetroots, and all those plants in the ground. And pickling. Oh. We've done a range of called Pickle Me. And we do beetroot. With this one, That one's the, um, the long, narrow beetroot. Oh, yeah. And we do onions and a capsicum and a tomato because pickling is taking off again over mm. around the country. Yeah, I love beetroot. Yeah. Bottled beetroot's fantastic. Oh, yeah, it's, yeah. It's, it's eat it out of the bottle. Just that's right. Yeah. Yeah. Until you get. I like it baked in the oven. Yeah. I, I have to say, I prefer that than than pickled. But uh, I'd eat it either way. I mean, beetroot's a fantastic. What we do now is I slice the beetroot about one half a centimetre thick, mm-hmm. and you put it on the pan. Then you put your roast chicken or lamb on top of it, mm-hmm. and bake it at its full length. By the time it comes out, it's really moist and yummy because all the juices out of the, the meat go through into the beetroot. Ooh. It's very nice. Oh, dear. Here we go. Yeah. We're starting to do recipes yeah. as well. Yeah. So you've got a whole range of vegetable seedlings that people yeah. could, uh, they could access them, in fact, next weekend. Yeah. And at any good garden centre. Yeah. And remember, all the foliage of your your beetroots are all edible. And we forget that. Um, our daughter-in-law is Japanese, and, and they, they do carrots and carrot tops. We've had tempura carrot tops. Oh, and that's yeah. really nice. So they'll make a salad yeah. out of the carrot tops. In Australia, we tend to just eat one little part of the plant and yeah. throw the rest away. Oh. Well, it's funny actually. I uh, knew a lass from Switzerland, and Mum was produ- uh, Mum was preparing. This was many years ago when I still lived at home. Mum was preparing the silver beet, uh, and she was cooking the leaves and discarding most of the stem. Mm. And this lass said, "Oh, that's the bit we eat at home." <laughs> and so yeah. she did a sort of a. Uh, a, a 
a cheesy white sauce yeah. and cook the stems of yeah. the silver beet in that. And she said, we'd probably discard the leaf yeah. uh, and eat the stems. Isn't that it's funny, that is, but we just don't eat enough. Like, every part of an allium, the flower, the stem, the root, the whole lot's edible, but we just eat the one little bit that we think we want. Mm. It's like coriander. I'm inclined to discard the leaf and use the stems and the roots. <laughs> mm. yeah. yeah, well, there you go. Yeah. Well, we should be eating it all, I guess. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, Less waste right. for more flowers, more flavours. Right, we've we got, got another call yeah. coming through, guys, so we better see if we can bring up Lynn from Blackbird. Oops, yep. what's going on here? We've got a problem here. I might try again. Uh, Lynn. Are yes, you there? good morning. <clears throat> Good morning. How are you this morning? I'm good, thank you. Now, how can we help you? Well, I have a hippiastrum, which flowered well last season. Mm-hmm. And the se- I bought it the season before in flower. Yeah. And that was during winter. Now, I've put it outside, and I'm beginning to suspect uh, bulbs in pots aren't good. But uh, it gets <laughs> watered fairly frequently, and I'm wondering if I should stop watering it and let it dry out so it can flower again next this winter. All right. Who wants to handle the hippie astrum mm. thing? That's not my forte. <laughs> well, I would say hippie astrums are probably the exception for bulbs and pots. Yeah. They're, they're pretty oh, good. Okay. Yeah. Good. But you have to feed them a lot. Okay. Because they're big, hungry bulbs. Yeah. Is she best feed right, them a liquid feed or a slow-release fertilizer? Right. So yeah. do both? Yeah, do yeah. both. And, and yes, because they're subtropical, so they would dry out over the winter, wouldn't they? Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. yes, yeah, so you need to ease yeah. back on the water during this time of the year yeah. and then start irrigating them again in the, in the later When they start later. moving, they'll and tell you when they want water. When you start re-irrigating, yeah. that's when you put a bit of liquid feed at a fairly dilute ratio. Yeah. About no, half I don't do dilute, full strength. Full strength, <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah, no. yeah, give it the hit. <laughs> yeah. uh, all I've right, never so used half strength. Oh. Sometimes yes, I use double it strength. It hasn't gone yellow at all. It's just <laughs> no. stayed beautiful green and I yeah. thought, oh, you don't look like you're going to flower. Yeah. All right, well... Mm. Anyway, mm. We'll, I'll feed it up and we'll see. And uh, have you got time for another question yeah, about yeah, a course, clematis? Yes, of course you have, Lynn. Okay, then. I've got two clematis together in a very large pot growing over an arch. Mm. One of them appeared to get a, some sort of fungusy... I don't know what it was, but all the leaves went brown. Mm. However, can I cut it back now? The other one's still going and they're intertwined and I'll have to cut both of them back or not at all. But mm. generally, I'll prune them in late winter. Now, they're deciduous clematis. Do we know, have yes. you got any sense of whether they're large-flowered hybrids or viticellas? Yes, they are, Jack and I. Uh, ah, so they're large-flowered hybrids. Uh, yes. Look, if things are a real mess at the moment, again, I don't think I'd be worried about whether I pruned them. Uh, I would just do it. You won't get so many okay. flowers next year, but you, the following year you will. Yeah, and, mm. and they might just be late. Yep. Yes. And it yes. could have dropped its leaves because a lot of confused plants out there. Oh, yeah, there I've is. got deciduous yeah. trees that are half green and half red. Yeah. I just don't quite know what yes. to do. Yes. The other thing with clematis, of course, is to feed them. Yeah, yeah they're yeah. also yeah. quite hungry. Yeah. When? when? Yeah. Not, it wouldn't be now, though, would it? Oh, spring. Yeah. Yeah, well, late winter, spring. Yeah. No, I don't, I don't yeah. think it really matters, does it? Because yeah. it works its way in. Yeah, well, you, you're right in one sense. I mean, if I feed things too, uh, with the winter coming on, I always have this sense that some of the food might have leached down yeah. beyond the root system by yeah. the time the spring comes. Yeah. But you can't do any harm. Yeah. So, no, all right. Yeah, so... Yeah, well, being in a pot, I always give them a good feed. Oh, they're in a pot, are they? Yes, a very large pot. Okay, lots of food. Yeah. 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 Yes, okay. So yeah. keep the feed up to them. And, yes, they probably went weird because they weren't sure whether they needed to go dormant or not. Uh, Are they in the yeah. same pot or two different pots? No, the same pot. You just want to check to make sure that it's draining properly. Sometimes they can 
Yeah. Without realising yeah. the, the holes at the bottom of the pot can block up and that can yeah. be Yeah, they can too. Yeah. But I don't think pots. I can do much now. It's too big to move, sort of. Oh, right. Yeah, right. it's mm. prob- possibly grown through the pot and down into whatever's <laughs> below. Hoist, hoist them up with a crowbar and pop a brick underneath. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that <laughs> might help. Yeah. So I hope that helps you a okay. wee bit, Lynn. Yeah. It does. Thank you very much. All right, that's a pleasure. Okay, right. bye. Bye. All right, well, we've got another one coming through already, so we might go on to Sammy, Sammy in Reedsdale. Are you there, Sammy? Sammy? Oh, Fermi. <laughs> Somebody outside put fa- Sammy up and they put oh. their hand up to admit it. <laughs> I thought it was funny because I didn't know any Sammys in Reedsdale, but there you go. So, Fermi, how are you, Fermi? Good, thank you, Steve. Now, what brings uh, you online this morning, apart from having the wrong name? <laughs> um, look, um, I just wasn't sure if you'd I missed the announcements at the beginning. I uh, wasn't sure if you'd mentioned that uh, next Saturday, Fernie Creek have got a small buy, swap and sell. I know it's in competition with something else that somebody on there is is seriously connected with. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, we... I wonder whether we, you could do that and go to the other event as well. You could do both. Yes. Fernie Creek is close both, enough yeah. to do both. Yeah. And right. if you do both, it makes a much better day of it. Yeah. A nice <laughs> lunch at a winery, then come to one. See, one of them. how gracious yeah. is Clyde? You know, so yeah, what can very. I say? <laughs> All right, so it's at the Fernie Creek um, Garden, I guess. It's, yeah, it's at the Fernie Creek Hall, which is yeah. actually in Sassafras. I can't remember. At the end of Hilton Road, yeah. anyway. Yeah. All right. And um, the good thing about GPS is you type in Fernie Creek Horticultural Hall, and uh, it'll come up. No, so that's really good. Um, the, but it's it's not a all day event. It's actually the it's the Rock Garden Group and the Rhododendron Camellia Group have this for members, but it's open to the public. All right. And so it's not huge. It's not it's not even as big as. Um, Oh, it's definitely not as big as uh, you know the uh, the big plant expo we have in in uh, March, February. Uh, but uh, it's just a few of the uh, local members, and mm-hmm. uh, they will have um, some of their uh, surplus plants for sale. Yeah. We'll also, I still have a lot of bulbs, and uh, I'm hoping we'll have the AGS seed as well, so mm-hmm. that we were selling that that at a discount rate of a dollar a packet. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's a great time of the year to be up in the Dandenongs, of course, and in the Yarra Valley. Yeah. And, uh, well, yeah so, they're, they're one of the same. It, you can't have a valley without a mountain range. Yeah, that's right, exactly. Yes, they're connected. <laughs> so what time and when is it all it happening? Starts, it's Saturday. Yep. It starts at 2 o'clock. Right. And uh, it'll probably be all over by 4 o'clock. All right. Well, so that's uh, perfect. You come to our place at 10 a.m., hit all the new plants yeah. they come on thing, go out, grab a quick bite, yeah. to one of the lovely cafes up at Alinda, yeah. and nick round to Fernie Creek, go out there, have a meal on the way home, and you've got a great day out in the... In the Exactly. Yeah, it would be a wonderful... Well, you, you could be doing travel as well, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right, so that's the Fernie Creek uh, Horticultural Society. A couple of their specialist groups have got a plant sale on next Saturday at 2 to 4. Yeah. Perfect. Fantastic. Okay. All right, thank you, Fermi, for letting Thanks us know about that because we hadn't actually had an, um, a notification oh, about it. No, so. no. Yeah, it's, it's very low-key at the moment. Yeah. With, yeah. All right. Well, I hope hopefully and a few we, of ours. We will have um, we will have our autumn show as well the following week, I think. But yeah. uh, you should get a notice about that because it's um, 
we are trying to get back to our normal range as long as nothing else happens. Mm-hmm. Yeah, good. Oh, yeah. Now that we're getting international visitors again, um, we um, are, if, for people who remember more than 12 months ago when Fernie Creek used to have their shows, the autumn show is really quite a good one. It's it'll be on the um, the following weekend, which will be the Anzac weekend. Yeah. And um, and uh, it's a great display of autumn colour and foliage and, and some of those bulbs that you've been talking about as well. So I don't know if anybody will still have colchicums and flower, though, by then. No, probably not. Uh, yeah. Sounds good. All right, well, thank okay. you for letting us know, Fermi, and we'll catch up with you soon. Thanks. See you later. Bye. 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 All right, so... All right, we've got another one coming through, so we better deal with this one as well. This is Carol from East Bentley. Are you there, Carol? Yes, good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Now... Um, I'm coming... It's My voice is coming back to me. Yeah, well... <laughs> that's your phone. Yeah, it's probably your phone. Oh. Uh, we're hearing you fine at this end, Carol, so... All right. Uh, ask your question, Look, please. Thank you. Look, I've got a jacaranda, which is about nine metres by five across. Mm-hmm. It's all pretty well top-heavy. And yesterday we had the westerlies, and they were really whipping it around. I'm wondering, there's very little down below in, mm-hmm. in as far as levers. It looks beautiful, but it's just a bit big. And I'm just wondering, can you cut it and will it regrow? Because some of, it's got multiple... Trunks yeah. or branches. Look, yeah. Ca- Carol, it's can, got a beat. Yeah. yeah. Can I say to you, a well-grown jacaranda is one that's left alone. If you start oh. prune, if you start pruning mm. them back, you're going to end up with a gawky-looking tree, mm. um, and they're very light canopied trees. They don't have heavy foliage. The wind can go through them reasonably well. Uh, there's very unlikely that you're going to have any limbs come down out of it. Um, in fact, I've never seen a jacaranda shed limbs. No. Um, so oh, I think you might be being a bit nervous about something that's perhaps not. If you're going to prune a jacaranda, you've got to start when the plant's yeah. near the top. Once yeah. it gets up to your height, you're going to damage the look of the plant mm. and maybe even damage the plant. And the other thing is, too, that if you prune it quite hard, it's going to take several years to settle down and flower again. And, and they make a lot of multiple stems when you prune them, so it'll yeah. be even more top-heavy. Yeah, yeah. yeah exactly. Oh. So, look, I, w- I would... I would recommend you just leave it alone, enjoy your tree. It sounds to me like it's a lovely tree. Mm. Mm. Um, does it flower well? Not really, no. Mm. But it's and it's never. I haven't noticed it so much because I've been down on the ground looking up at it. Mm. But I had a pergola, you see, and they've taken away the pergola, and now I can see the full tree. <laughs> and because yesterday it was whipping around yeah. like clothes on a line. Yeah, you know, look, it'll be fine, Carol. I don't think you've got a. a problem with it so um how long's it been in do you know how old the tree is oh i couldn't tell you perhaps how long have i been probably about 30 years yeah yeah, yeah see it's probably just getting to a maturity sort of size yeah, now too its stride, so really. it's really getting yeah. into its stride and you may well find over the next couple of years i don't expect jacarandas to flower very well this year with the weird season we've mm-hmm. had uh but when we get back to normal sort of warm summers cold, cold winters yeah. all the things that we should normally be getting um then i think you'll find your jacaranda in season will come out to a blaze of colour at some stage. So, but yeah, I wouldn't worry about it. I think the tree's fine. 
Oh, thank you very much. I'm glad of that. That's good, <laughs> yes. It would seem sad to have to prune a tree back um, for no apparent reason, really. Yeah. All okay, right. thanks. Well, have a lovely morning Bye-bye. and thanks for ringing. You too. Bye. Bye. Oops, I pressed the wrong button. Oh, dear. Poor old Steve, you look so stressed. (laughs) Too many buttons. Yeah, there is too many buttons. But anyhow, I'm slowly getting used to it. And uh, Karina and the other ladies that work with me around here will just have to put up with me for a bit longer until I feel really comfortable. The the grey hair gives you a lot of brownie points and a lot of leniency. Yeah, well, maybe, yes. Poor old (laughs) Stephen. All right, well, uh, no, probably Craig's turn. You've probably got some other things we should be talking about. A couple of begonias I've been growing. Oh, yes. I do love the leaves of some of your begonias. Yeah, Dale Kramer, mm-hmm. which is an old hybrid mm-hmm. um, from Begonia Gertii. Big, long, mm-hmm. pointed, dark green leaves. And it's, it's so glossy. So glossy. And, and, and this, this one's actually quite small. It'll get bigger than that. Yeah. Is this uh, one a sort of a small, perennially sh- one? Or shrub? shrub-like. Shrub-like, There's yeah. all these categories, and mm-hmm. I, I, I don't understand the difference between shrub-like and cane. Quite yeah. frankly, they all look like canes to me. But yeah, anyway. but to someone that doesn't go begonia, sort of, that means it's some, sort of like a mounded, yeah. rounded shrub. Yeah, I reckon, I, I think Dale Kramer gets up to about 40, 50 centimetres. So, so it's not subs- a big one. Not big, but it, it would make a substantial plant. Yep, and winter flowering. Ah, what mm-hmm. colour? White. Ah, yeah. So white big, winter flowers? Big flowers. Oh, so it, it's actually quite showy. It's quite showy, yeah. yeah it's yeah. a ripper, yeah. Dale um, Kramer. Dale Kramer, yeah. Mm. Wonder who Dale Kramer was. Mm. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> uh, Sounds like Miami. Yes, <laughs> does, doesn't it, rather? Yeah. Yeah. So, all right. So that's that particular yeah. begonia. And there's another one here called York's Not Nocturne, which is an Australian hybrid bred by Bernard York in Queensland, oh. and it is actually a rhizome, but it looks like a cane to me. Really? <laughs> I'm finding this all very confusing with the yeah. begonia. Yeah. Well, um, they are a big genus, so I suppose there's going to be a bit of crossover and all sorts of things. Big's an understatement. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. But York's Nocturne has really puckered leaves and then a slight bronze underneath, which is shows up on the edge of the leaf. So it almost looks like it's got a line foliage. around it. Yeah, yes, you that's can see right. it. And that's also incredibly glossy. Incredibly glossy, plain green leaf, yeah. And 40, 50 centimetres again, I reckon. Yeah, so yeah. again, a, a moderate sort yeah. of plant. Good yeah. patio, patio plants in pots? Absolutely, yeah. yeah, as long as they're dry. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. And the flowers on that one? Uh, white, but pretty boring. Oh, so not a particular but, but It impulse. definitely wins points for foliage. Yeah. Yeah. And a lot of these plants, I mean, you've got them for so long during the year just as foliage, and the, if the foliage is that good, flowers are almost unnecessary. Irrelevant, uh, I yeah. would have thought. Yeah. But I, I yeah. try and tell that to people. No, people are very excited by foliage. But we're, and plants, flowers. we're plants people, and there are a lot of people that if it doesn't flower, not yeah. interested. Yeah. yeah. Which is sad for a whole group of plants. Isn't I mean, it? You know, it your is. average conifer's not renowned for its flowers. <laughs> uh, or so the Aralaceae. Yes, yes. Yeah. So, yeah, there's a lot of plants that don't have uh, flowers of much merit, but by God, some of their foliages yeah, can be that's good. That's right. And yeah. I do like good foliage plants. Uh, it's even more fundamental in flowering, really. Yeah. So yeah. have you counted how many begonias you're now? Oh, I'm up to about 150. Oh, Craig, you're becoming an obsessive. Well, <laughs> you need to be able to rotate things in the nursery so yeah. that when the people who are about to become collectors yeah. come in, they're going to find something new. Yeah, well, that's fair yeah. enough. But 150 is getting close to excessive. It's enough, yeah. <laughs> yes. But it's that's enough. Just true, should be the true of all nurseries. Um, with, with our edible plants, I try to encourage nurseries not to, when they sell out of something, replace it with the same thing. Mm. You need to have a constantly changing palette. Yeah. So people want to come back every once a month 
what's different, what's new. Exactly. Ah, uh, yes, but there's also the people who've lost something and they want it again. Oh, they yes. They'll have to wait till the same time next year. <laughs> yeah, that's right, exactly. <laughs> yeah, they will yeah. get it back in due course. Um, so, um, yeah, so 150 different begonias to select from, that seems pretty good. Well, I haven't propagated them all yet. Yeah. Mm. yeah, yeah. Give me a break. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and that does raise another issue. Most of these plants aren't that difficult for the home gardener to propagate once they've actually got them, are they, Craig? No, they make roots by looking at them. Yeah, yeah. so... You just yeah. wave them over the prop mix and the yeah. roots cut. The yeah. 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 It's almost obscene. Yeah, you yeah, know, uh, they're very simple. You can do them in a glass of water. Yeah. 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 So they're great plants. And, yeah, I uh, think so. Uh, they certainly should be coming back into their own again in prior to place. Yeah, um, but also as garden plants, we're which is something it. that I'm working on, you know, planting them out in the garden and seeing how they go. Mm. We're, we're yeah. seeing an increased demand for begonias coming through as just as plants, yeah. not yeah. indoor or outdoor, just as yeah. plants. Yeah. And it's good. We, we bought back our old escargot again and it's starting to sell again. So yeah. they're, they're, they're coming up again. Yeah. I've, been, I've been buying them from a collector in, in um, Fernie Creek and she has a vast number in her mm. garden. Yeah. Yeah. She should be holding a national collection. Perhaps. Probably should be. She's yeah. got two and a half thousand. Oh, I need her details and <coughs> I'm going to ring her up and I'm going to talk this woman into holding a national begonia collection. Yeah. Because um, people who've got that sort of um, uh, plant material around them, uh, there should be some registrar where we know right. where these things are and uh, she sounds just like the sort of person I should be she talking to. She does yeah. and, and the names just roll off the tongue you know yeah. she doesn't have to look at the label. Ah, oh, well, yeah. so, she, so she's also yeah. very knowledgeable. Very collector. knowledgeable. Yeah. Oh well, I'll talk to you about her later. The house really. is full of them as well. Yeah. Oh goodness, in glass me. cases. And, and of course it sounds like she's got an awful lot but the genus itself is vast. To 2,000 and, and growing? Yeah, there, there seems to be new ones discovered every five minutes. That's right, and then without, that's without the hybrids, of course. Yeah, 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 and there's people out there doing that every five that's minutes right, as exactly. well. So, yeah. yeah, so begonia is one of those genera that's sort of so, enormous. Which is what attracted me to it. I thought, well, yeah, I can grow indoor plants, I can grow begonia, and I mm. can keep getting them until yeah. I'm... 85 and pushing up daisies. Yeah, well, well, but then they're not begonias. Is it a worldwide yeah. genus? Tropics. Yeah, the yeah. tropics worldwide. I've yeah. seen them in Madagascar. I've seen them in Peru. Yeah. Uh, I've seen them in New Guinea. Yeah. Uh, almost yeah. anywhere tropical I've been, I've seen begonias. Yeah. So the really extraordinary ones seem to come from Borneo yeah. and from West Africa. Yeah. yeah. So it is a pretty incredible genus of plants. Yeah. Um, and, you know, they... I saw one in Madagascar that if it got to an inch tall, I'd be surprised. And it was growing on the faces of rocks in the creeks. So it was just growing in the moss on the rocks. Uh, And it was this tiny little thing with a tiny white flower on it and this minute little tiny leaves. And it was obviously self-seeding itself down through the moss. God knows what it was. All I know was it was definitely a begonia. Probably unnamed, Stephen. It could be. It could have been... (laughs) Begonia Ryan eye, and yeah, I no. didn't realise it. And at the other extreme, I saw one on the Inca Trail years ago um, that uh, all the guides had been told by some pom that it looked like a, an elderflower. Yeah. And so they were telling everybody it was an elderflower, and it was about four metres tall, huge leaves, and it had these enormous heads of tiny white flowers. I could sort of see where the elderflower thing mm, came yeah. in. Um, but I had to correct all the guides because they were telling all the people that it was an elderflower when yeah. we were walking along. But it was but some it was sort begonia. of... It was a begonia of yeah. some sort, and yeah. it was enormous, and the t- individual flowers were pretty inconspicuous, but in huge heads the mm. size of a good-sized hydrangea. Yeah. And it was amazing, and it was this great big tall caney thing. How high up? Oh, well, it was fairly high up. I, uh, 
I think the trail doesn't go up as high as some of the places I went to, but it goes to about three and a half to 4,000 metres at the highest point, yeah. and it was down the far side a little yeah. bit. So I'm not quite sure at what altitude, but It'd fairly high. Cool. Yeah, I would have thought it would be yeah. growable here, yeah. whatever yeah. it was. So it's time for a begonia genus to be split into multiples then, wouldn't it? Oh, oh please. Yeah, let's not go there. And that's where you'll go. Uh, yeah, yeah. Well, yes, it does yeah. tend to happen a yeah. bit, doesn't it? Well, I'm a, bot- I'm a botanist, so, mm. and one of my pet interests was plant nomenclature and, and speciation. So, oh. And I need to talk to you about that. Mm. You know that la- la- uh, that uh, Tibuchina laxi you've yeah. got? That's had a name change. Is it? It's not Tibuchina anymore? No. It's about time. It, it shouldn't be a Tibuchina. It's in my Pleroma. Pleroma. P-L-E-R-O-M-A. Pleroma yeah. laxum. I've been growing that for years. Yeah. yeah. I yeah. get frustrated because, see, that's what, we're talking about clematis. People put a climber in a pot with a, a trellis. Mm. What I want to see them do is put more climbers in a, in a hedge, mm. let the plant grow naturally through the hedge, mm. and then you get the masses of colour. Mm. And see, Tibuchina grows really well in a very mm. cold climate area yeah. if you grow it in a hedge because it doesn't get the frost because it's got the plant to protect yeah. it. Yeah, well, I'm trying one through uh, the one you gave yeah. me. I am trying through my blood orange. It would look fantastic. Because yeah, I have this combo. sense yeah. Yeah. that if I can get it up through the blood orange yeah. with its brilliant purple flowers yeah. and the orange fruit hanging on the tree, it's going to yeah. knock it, people's it eyes out. It would look stunning. Yeah. 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 And also I've noticed, too, that now the cold weather's coming in, some of the leaves are going red. That's yeah. right. Yeah. So the colour of the leaves are going to be an interesting And the stems get more hairy red, too. Yeah. And so it's very long-lived. It, it, it predates me in our garden. Yeah. 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 I've got yeah. our... Well, I'll be interested to see how well, it does in our That's interesting because the one... We've got what's called Skylab, right. so therefore it must be you know, late late seventies, late eighties, early eighties when Skylab fell out of the sky. Yeah. So that's probably must be that was named. But yeah. It's a great plan, and yeah. it, we've got ours in one of our hedges. It, it competes with the blackberries. Yeah. Which is yeah. So there you go. So Pleroma now. Pleroma. Pleroma. Yeah. Okay. Pleroma. I don't. I don't write a label anymore until I go in and check with the <laughs> plant list from yeah. Kew, uh, because I've been caught several times. Uh, the Iachroma grandiflora mm. now in yeah. a new genus. All right. Yeah. Iachroma still exists as a genus, but it's in another genus. It starts with I think a Z. I'd have to look it up again. Because um, mm. uh, I did a plant profile on it for my that's right <laughs> for my uh, yeah. YouTube channel. Yeah. And five minutes after I did it, I don't even know why I was doing this. But uh, Matthew, the work guy I work with, had gone off to do the editing and what have you. And I went in and checked something, and I thought, oh, I'll just look up that uh, Iachroma and you know just check up on it. And it's been pulled out into a new genus, so we had to put it in as a sort of a tech thing at the bottom yeah. of it because we hadn't yeah. mentioned the new name. Well, I've found this great website it's two of them and it just lists all the genera in the world mm. and it puts um, recognised accepted, debated, incorrect so you, ah. you check and it, if it's being revu- reviewed you can check it up as well. well what's it called? I think it's called the Plant Names Index okay. or something similar. I've just got on, on, the, on the quick quick hit because every time I put a new plant in our system I have to have the name checked before I allow it to go into our database We'll have to have a look at that. Yeah. And that could take me a while oh, to check cool. down, especially when you're looking at edibles. Right. Yeah. They Good. make up names for edibles left, right and centre. Yeah, well, or they made up. <laughs> do they what? Uh, we've just had a text message come through. Uh, we do have another giveaway. There is a complimentary pass for two people to Forest Edge Garden in Blackwood next weekend. So if somebody wants to ring in and get that two-person pass mm-hmm. uh, from uh, Open Gardens Victoria, um, I'm sure they'll have a lovely time. So they need to do that uh, now. 
before the before the program finishes, we've got half an hour. Yep. So yeah, so name changes are one of those things. Uh, I probably set myself up in a position where people expect me to know, and so I try and keep up. It's <laughs> uh, an understatement. Yeah. <laughs> and um, well, I figure you know some people just get annoyed when you change the name or you tell them the name's been changed. Uh, but you know, at the end of the day, I guess the taxonomists aren't doing it to get up our noses. The taxonomists are doing it to try and get eventually some stability yeah. in plant right. names. And you have to remember, a lot of, a lot of these names are very historical, mm-hmm. and they go back when they were first being discovered. Yeah. And the rules have changed, mm-hmm. the way we do it. Like, you go into the succulent world, and it doesn't help that half people sell succulent, just call it succulent red and succulent pink and succulent yeah. jack. And, no. and well, I have to say, that's one of those things that I actually get quite annoyed about, that people don't, in fact, put botanical names on labels. I mean, I'd rather they had an old synonym on a label than nothing at all. Um, and I try and encourage people not to buy plants that haven't got a, a name on them. Well, when I came into the industry in, the, in about 1990, as a botanist, not a nursery person, because I didn't grow, we didn't grow up in nurseries, I found it extremely aggravating that the industry wouldn't even use the right name for plants. And we just put our, our foot down and... I copped a lot of flack for 10 years. But, you know, when somebody comes into the nursery and they've bought a plant or a, a hedge of something yeah. and one of them's died, they want a replacement and it's got the nursery name on it, but not the... Mm. It, it's impossible yeah. because you have no idea what they're talking about. Yeah. It, it yeah. is, and, and it's, it's wrong. Yeah, if you go and buy a wine... Let's see, we've taught people to buy wine now. You don't buy wine by the, the region, you buy it by the grape. So yeah. you know if I buy a Shiraz or a Cabernet Shiraz, it's going to taste like this and it's going to perform like mm-hmm. this. And we know, and we used it. And we should be the same with plants. Well, I always use the adage that you wouldn't go to a doctor who said, take pink pills and it'll help your funny bone. You expect people to be professional in their Mm -hmm. industry. Um, And I think the main thing that we can show professionality with is, in fact, having the names on things. Correct names. The correct names on something, uh, as difficult as it might be sometimes. But it's interesting how the nursery industry will accept some and not others. I mean, mycelia seems to have disappeared quite quickly and people are calling them all magnolias now. That's right. Uh, so you buy them as magnolia whatever. Yeah. Uh, that seems to have hit the nursery trade and in a comparatively short time been accepted and we've yeah. moved on. Yeah. Uh, but people are still growing azaleas. I was just about to say that's my pet beef. If I sold a and as our listeners wrote rhododendron, it'll, it'll never, I'd never sell it. Yeah, yeah. but that is yeah. in fact what they are, yeah, they're yeah, rhododendrons. Yeah. 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 So I tend to where, if I get printed labels done for anything, if there's a well-accepted synonym or that something mm. is well-known in the trade, I tend to put it in after the actual yeah. botanical yeah. name, just to help people pass the confusion of a new name change. Yeah. So, you know, but you can't do much more than that. That's right. Um, the one that's scaring me at the moment is the sedums. Yeah. Well, what's happening there? Well, what the industry has been calling sediments for the last 100 years has yeah. actually got about 45 different genera. Right. And it's the same with the, the set of areas and the graptor areas and the graptor petalums. They're all, all intercrossing. Yeah. So you now have hybrids between hybrids. Yeah. And they're making up new names, and it's just a real battle. Yeah. And then we ship plants to WA, and their rules have gone really bad. Now, you can't even ship a hybrid over there unless the hybrid's been weed-assessed. Uh, and then yeah. I, I kind of get that. I, no, I no, 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 no. Yeah, but if, if, you, if you're sending two parents of plants to WA uh, and you've already got 45 hybrids with that two parentage, uh, a new one comes along, it's unlikely to be any more weedy than either the parents or any of the other hybrids. Uh, and that would also be fine if you could get them assessed, but it's got to be assessed and put through Parliament. Uh, so, yeah, yeah so that's full of bureaucracy. Yeah, yeah. They're running on about a two-year delay if you want to get a new plant. Uh, and we've just started growing Muck Genia. Oh, yes, Mugginia, the new genus. Between the, yeah, Berberus and Mugginia, yeah. Uh, but 
Virginia. Virginia and yeah. Mucklinia. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the International Australian Quarantine accepts it if he comes in, because it's acceptable to to related genera, not WA. Would they grow in WA? There'll be places where it'll grow up in Upper Arm and Kalamunna, they'll suffer yeah. hybrid. Yeah. So there's that one, and there's another intergeneric hybrid we're doing, and it just frustrates me yeah. that you just can't get some sort of acceptance to it. Yeah, they, the problem is they don't have proper horticulturalists working in a lot of these places who can actually do the assessments. Yeah. So if I was trying to send something to WA and you had somebody over there that was a sensible horticulturalist, they would see that this plant had no particular potential as a weed, but others just do it by the letter and it's got nothing to do yeah. with knowledge. Well, I had a brilliant that. man there called Rod Randley, just retired, and I could send him about 20 plant names. He'd come back within two hours with yes, no, maybe. Mm. And he knew where to look and knew exactly how to re- refer the plants, mm. and he was fantastic. But he's retired and they haven't replaced him. And yeah. Oh, dear. Yes. Politics. Part of the difficulties of sending plants as in, well. In a country of seven countries. Yes. Mm. Well, it is like that, yeah. isn't it, really? Um, now, Clive, you've still got a couple uh, of plants you might want to just mention in passing. Calabacoa. It's, um, yeah, once upon a time a petunia. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And it's just a really basic, bland, nothingness plant that makes a fantastic pot plant, shrub plant in the garden, tough growing, get two or three years out of it. Beautiful colour range. Again, what I don't like about this is that there's every year there's a whole new set of hybrids. Mm, now yeah. we've got the paintballs and then we've got the caliper. T- they just keep coming up with new hybrid brands. Yeah. But they're not that different, you don't no. think? No. Oh, yes and no. It's, it's like so many plants. As a botanist and as a nurseryman, we get really um, excited about a slight different leaf shape or leaf colour or this plant grows to 50 centimetres where this parent grows to 60 you got a garden in, in Bentley or Maidstone or, or Geelong. Mm. Really, 50 right, centimetres, yeah. 60 centimetres, who cares? Yeah. Deep pink, medium pink, who cares? Yeah. And we get excited about it. The gardening in the community, they just want to fill a lovely spot and have a beautiful garden. Mm. And which shade of pink it is, most really aren't that fussy. No, mid pink, pale pink, dark pink, that's about all you ever need. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And then I must remember blue. too, uh, I haven't done a, a, a station reminder to people that where they're listening to us, so I probably should do that. I've got to get used to all these. Well, you've got to tell things. them to listen to 3CR. Yes, we are. We're at 3CR, so that's 8.55 on the AM dial. Uh, if you found us by accident, you'll now be able to find us <laughs> uh, because you'll know where we are. Mm. Um, and I'll also give the phone number again because we haven't had any phone calls for a wee while now. So if you want to ring in, it's 94190155. So and the no, text number? And the text number has disappeared off the screen. I can't see it anywhere. Where'd it go? Um, no, it's not up there at the moment, nope. so I can't give them the text number. <laughs> uh, I'll write it down at some point so I can have it on my paperwork so that I can actually let people know how to text us. Um, so Calabricoa. Calabricoas. Um, when they first hit the market, I think they did come out as petunias. Yeah. Uh, they were the perennial petunias. That's right. Yeah. Um, so they've had a name change, and I guess that genus is a reasonably sort of diverse one. Yeah, it's got, but it's got a lot of... Oh, they're all very similar, but huge colour range. Yeah. Um, a lot of plants are in, in the reds and pinks or the blues. They spread right across the purples, the blues, the whites, the yellows, and it's... Um, mm-hmm. They're a great plant for someone who's not a, an avid gardener, just wants some lovely little colour in, on the patio and the veranda. No, and it sounds good. I, I, I really love full gardens that aren't segregated, mm. that plants are just growing everywhere. Or if you want to have a, an old-fashioned segregated garden, you have a bed of colour with a mm. nice border around it. Mm-hmm. And, and, yeah, yeah the plants do what they're supposed to do. Text numbers come up, so I can actually mention it if somebody does want to text in. I'd like people to ring in, to be honest, mm. but uh, if you want to text us, it's 0488... 
809855. For so people with nimble thumbs. Yeah, yes. Oh. Actually, watching the kids go brrrr That's and they right. sent off a text message, I go, how do they do that? Yeah. You know, well, with Darwinian, Darwinian genetics, the next you know, 10 generations, it's kids with um, multiple reversible thumbs are going to be ones that have the most partners because they're going to get the most texting to their... <laughs> <laughs> oh, Clive, it's all very frightening. Unfortunately, I won't be around for all that, I no, hope. No, Oh, no. dear. All right, now, we do have a phone call come in, and it's one of our regular callers. Um, hold on. It seems to be on line nine, and yet it's got line eight up there. No, it's line seven has come up light. We'll try it, see what happens. Hello, is that you, Jill? No, 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 it's not Jill, so I don't quite know what's going on here. Um, yeah, hang on a second. She's gone. Yeah, all right, not to we worry. Yeah. She'll come back. Yes, I'm sure she'll come back. Um, we're, she's a regular as Jill from the Herbs Yeah, Society. I have a face for the name now. Oh, you've met Jill, have I have you? met Jill, yes. Yes, yes, I've met her as well. Yeah. It's always funny when you have a regular caller like that, uh, you often get a preconceived idea of what yeah. they look like. Yeah. And when you do meet them, they're often completely different. Yeah. I had that trouble with the now long dead, unfortunately, Hugh from the Yarra Valley, who was one of our mm. regular caller or mm. yeah. And he was Austrian or German or something, so a very strong accent. Mm. And I had no concept of what, what Hugh was going to look like until I bumped into him at Tesla's one year. No. He was helping on the Rhododendron Society stall mm. up there. And he was this big, ginormous guy, and his voice didn't sound like a big, ginormous guy. <laughs> so I found, it a, I found it a really weird sort of thing. But there you go. Uh, oh, there's lights going off all over the place there, and I'm now frightened, but we might have a crack at it in Nothing, a moment. Nothing's going to explode. No, well, it probably won't. We might try now on line nine... No, we haven't got Jill there on line nine. Try eight. Uh, they're all bouncing all over the place. I'll leave it for a minute and hopefully it'll all settle down and then I can come back to I'm it. I'm interested in like fuchsias in your box there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like fuchsias. Yeah. All right. Well, why don't we have a quick talk about fuchsias? Yeah, fuchsia um, baccalaureus, which is, for me, it's a favourite. It's, it's such tiny. A, it's tiny and it's a small shrub. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, much loved by the eastern spinebills. Oh, How yeah. they get any nectar from such a tiny flower, I have no idea. There must idea. be something in there. But they do. Yeah. Yeah. We had a great range of those miniature fuchsias for a long time because I just they're beautiful little plants. Yeah. They don't, the flower's tiny, but they put a massive flower on them. Oh, it's always in flower. Yeah. yeah always in now, flower. Now, that particular species, is it a comparatively small growing one? Yeah, or? look, 1.2. Oh, well, that's a moderate size. Yeah, and, and arching. Yeah. Mm. yeah. But you can keep it smaller, mm. as with all fuchsias. You know, mm. they're, they're not frightened mm. of the secateurs. And mm. the same sort of aspects as you would plant normal hybrid fuchsias into? Yeah, that's right. Semi-shade. Yeah. Mm. yeah. Even though they'll take a fair bit of sun. Yeah. 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 They don't like the baking hot sun. That's right. So if you've got a sunny urban yeah. garden or a mountain sunny garden, they'll go fine. Yeah. A lot yeah. of them come from the mountains where they do get a lot of sun. Yeah. i tell um, you what, there was one I saw in northern Chile, and mm. I, I did find out what its name was, and I've forgotten now. It was bright pink, and it had heads of flowers mm. on it that stuck out all in different directions, and it was growing in the desert. Really? Yes, mm. there's a desert-dwelling fuchsia. We need that one. Yeah, I reckon we do too, <laughs> yeah. and it was very showy. It took me a while to figure out what I was looking at. it was at. a fuchsia, yeah. because yeah, I'd be yeah. driving along, and there'd be this bright, hot, pink yeah. ball of flowers, 
out in the middle of the Atacama Desert, and I'm thinking, what the hell am I looking at? And yeah. when we did get out and look at it, it took me quite a while to pin it down to what I, what, what its genus was. It took me a while to find mm. its species name. Oh, but, you've done well. Uh, but, yes, I did eventually find out what it was. Yeah, the um, species are red thin on the ground in this country. Yeah, yeah we could do with more. Yeah, yeah we had a few. We had Boliviana for a while. Yeah. a lovely tree. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. All right, we might try going in to... We might try... Is that you, Olive? Yes, it is. <laughs> oh, we've got Olive. We've got Olive in Frankston. How are you, Medea? Good. And that uh, beautiful sacrament you gave me that only flowers in the summer, mm-hmm. a gentle little pink flower, Stephen, is still growing very well. Thank Good. you very much. I'm very pleased to hear it. That was probably cyclamen... Perpurescence. Perpurescence, probably. Mm, yeah. Summer, yeah. yeah. Gorgeous little thing. Not always the easiest plant to grow, but it's a gorgeous little cyclamen. Oh, yeah, I've got it in a pot. It really is good. All right, now. The question, the question is the orchids repotting. My husband died two years ago, and he was a fanatic on his orchids, and I've left them and just watered them. But I was watching a garden show, and they said, you've got to repot them and take off all those dead buds, all those ones that have flowered before, which I've done, and the green ones I threw in in the compost heap, I don't know if I did it right or not, but when I pulled them out, um, the the pot was full of roots and a little bit of soil. Mm. But so I put them up and I uh, took them out and I didn't cut the roots back very much, and I had a Deb, Debco uh, potting soil and I put them back in that. Uh, and I don't know whether I should have cut them the uh, roots back uh, about uh, three or four inches. Is that correct? Or should I have just left them there? No, look, with, with orchids, I don't cut the roots back, but I would pull out the, a lot of, if it's cymbidium orchids, they have a lot of dead roots through the clump, and you can always see the dead roots because they're not the nice, white, fat, clumpy ones. I always pull all the dead roots out, uh, yeah. but I would leave the other roots intact. Uh, I would always leave a clump of pseudo bulbs together. I wouldn't split them right down to individuals because then they take years to build up to flowering again. Yeah. Um, and you wouldn't use a normal potting mix. You'd use an actual orchid, orchid mix, mm-hmm. which is basically pine bark, really. Um, Very coarse. It's a Debco orchid mix. Oh, so you did yeah. use an orchid mix. Well, that's all right. Oh, so you, yes, definitely. Yeah, yeah. I was a bit worried and when you said Debco potting mix. I thought you might have put mm. them into an ordinary no, potting no, mix. I, I didn't say correctly. Yeah. No. The, other, the, other, the other thing, Stephen, is um, do I add soil to that? No. No, Good. don't put any oh, soil no. into an orchid mix because that's the whole point of the orchid mix, that it's yeah. got to be soilless. Mm-hmm. Um, so leave the mix as is uh, and then just start giving them a light liquid feed fairly regularly uh, to hopefully sort of push them along. And as long as you haven't divided them down too small, hopefully you'll get some more orchid flowers this coming season. Mm. Is there a special... Um, uh orchid mixture for fertilisers? Yes, there is. Well, there are special yeah. orchid mixes, but, you know, you could use just a general liquid feed for them. I would have thought yeah, so. So, yeah. you know, any of the Thrives, yeah. Power Feeds, mm. all those sorts yeah. of things probably would work fine. Yeah. Fine, that's good. Yeah, sometimes uh, we end up with a shed full of bits and pieces that aren't always necessary. That's right, yeah. You there's know, a lot so of specialisation yeah. out there. Which, yeah, 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 so, mm-hmm. yeah, so that should work for you. Good. Thank you very much. That's Have a, a nice pleasure. Day. All right, yep. we'll catch up with you again, Olive. Bye. Uh, now, we've got... Jill, I hope. Jill, are you there? Yes, I'm here. Ah, good morning, Jill. How are you this morning? I'm fine, thanks, Stephen. Craig, thanks for coming to the Herb Society. You're great. It's a pleasure. And, uh, 
I was thrilled with my plan. Good. And uh, I want to ask David and you about my digiplexus. What should I do? I've got three of them. Yeah, well, you should call them digitalis now for a start. Well, they were sold to me from Ascot. Yeah. Yeah, but they're not anymore. When did that change? What are they called now? Digitalis. They've all been plonked into digitalis. They're not. They're not a hybrid between two genera anymore. They're just a hybrid between two species. So they're they're all foxgloves. They're all foxgloves. Okay. And so they're now digitalis. I've just got my head around digiplexus. Now I'm going to go back (laughs) that way again. Uh, Yeah. So they're. Yes. Very very complex. Uh Yeah. So. But, so should I cut them now? Uh, I wouldn't be cutting them in the winter. Uh, I'd wait. To, I would let them flower and then prune straight after flowering. But they've flowered. Are they finished flowering? When did so they finish flowering, Jill? Oh, about February, the beginning of February. Well, that's when I would have pruned them. Oh. So straight okay, after well, flowering is probably best. Uh, if they've still got dead flower spikes on them, you can take the flowers off. But I wouldn't prune back into uh, seriously old wood. As the winter's coming on. Okay, all right. Well, but yeah, so next year make sure you prune them as soon as the flowers are over, and that will keep them nice and compact. Yeah. We're just getting down to frost periods, starting yeah. to get towards frost now. Yeah, yeah. So all those okay, well, they're in pots, so yeah. I can put them in a frost-free area yeah. if I prune them. I wouldn't have thought yeah. where you come from, Jill, that you would get frost of any sort of level that would cause any problems to them. No, I don't think so. Melbourne is. Yeah, Melbourne is not the frost pocket of Melbourne. No. no. Um, We're also in a rain shadow. We never get rain with the Surrey Hills. Dear. Yeah, so I don't think you need to protect them, uh, but I just wouldn't prune them back just now and just get used to calling them digitalises now. All right. Thank you. Yes, I'll have to correct. I'll have to correct all my friends' information now. Yeah, look, that's part of the fun of it, because they learn something and you get to look smart. Uh, (laughs) So why not indeed? Oh, well, yes, I'll be a smart, eh? Yes, exactly. (laughs) All right, lovely to hear from you, Jill. We'll catch up. Thanks. Bye. Bye. Oops, press the right buttons. There we go. Now, we've got one more still up there, which we might as well try and get on board with. Uh, John from Eltham, are you there, John? Yes. Good. Uh, I've got a non, non-flower type uh, query. I've got a mandarin tree. I've probably had it for about um, uh, eight or nine years. Yeah. And I had an excellent crop with excellent mandarins the year before last. Mm-hmm. Um, but last year I had an excellent crop, and but all the uh, fruit was uh, dry inside. Now, and this year again, it looks like been a good crop, and I was just wondering if I should be doing anything to it to prevent the uh, dry fruit from coming on again. I think that's water, isn't it? Yeah, I should. I've, I've done so many citrus questions over my life, I can never <laughs> remember them all. But yeah, yeah. it's it's lack of lack of water. Sometimes it's too much fruit. Yeah, can yeah. also help, but it's lack of water. Although we shouldn't have. Well, I mean, this this year it's been yeah. very good season, and yeah. a bit of water on the dry periods. I don't think it's lack of water. Well, pull pull one piece off now and cut it open and see how what's looking like inside. Yeah, because even though it's not yeah, ripe yet. Small and green. There's more than green at the moment. The size of marbles. Oh, that's still yeah. Very, yeah, too early yet. Yeah, well, I'd say keep the water up, but but if you like the rest of Melbourne today, you don't be needing to water anything for at least a couple of yeah, weeks. Yes, yeah. I wouldn't think so. Oh. Uh, but I look, I find that a lot of those sort of trees, it is very 
climate oriented as well. So if we get a cool summer, it will have an impact on the quality and quantity of fruit. If we get an extra hot dry season, it will do similar things, but for different reasons. Uh, and so there's a lot of things that you've got no control over that you've just yeah. got to live with. But certainly Clive's right. Uh, you don't want to have too much fruit on the tree. So sometimes it pays to go over and thin the fruit so that you get good big uh, mandarins on the tree. Yeah. Uh, it certainly doesn't hurt... Um, and it's still not too late to do it to give them a, a, a late autumn feed. Yeah, uh, I would do that. Um, what, just a basic, uh, basic citrus fertiliser? You can, you the, can uh, use a basic citrus fertiliser, and I'm going to regret doing this, but I'm going to tell you an old uh, secret for citruses. And you're going to have to write it down, you're going to have to remember it, and I know we're going to have people say, what was that you said, Stephen? But if you buy some washing soda... Uh, yeah. Often sold in the shops as electric soda and tr- sodium, sodium polyphosphate. You know, I don't know, Clive. Yeah. I'm not really good with these things, <laughs> but it was used as a detergent for years, yeah. uh, and it's now used mainly as a foot bath. Um, and this is all in the old measurement, so you're just going to have to deal with that and convert mm. if needs be. But you measure out two ounces of washing soda per foot in height of tree. Right? You've got, got that. So it's 50 yep. grams per 30 centimetres. <laughs> Good, Clive, thank you. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And then you get a crowbar and you put some holes in the ground, and it doesn't matter how many, but four or five is generally enough, around the outside of the drip line of your tree. So you just poke some right. holes down into the ground with the crowbar. You then divide the quantity of crystals roughly into each hole and bury it. And you do it in the autumn. Right. Normally I would do it sort of more March than April, May. But, mm. you know, you do it in the autumn and you do it again in the spring around about September-ish. Uh, and you only do it with citrus trees. Uh, and I've no idea why it works, but it does. Uh, and that was, what, it was washing... What was wash, it? Was washing... Or baking soda. No, not baking soda. So not baking soda. Washing soda. Washing it's in, it's soda. in the supermarkets as electric crystals. But you, it's hard to buy them now. But they're in that same section... As Epsom salts, because it's for, for right. soaking in the bath, but it's yeah. it's um, washing soda. Yeah. Washing soda, that's okay, washing yeah. soda. Yeah, yeah, it. don't use baking soda. Yeah. I don't know that it will hurt anything, but I no. don't think it does the same job. No. And I don't know why it works, but I'm assuming that... Uh, when people used to do washing with the with the washing soda, they would take their basket or their bucket of washing liquid out and throw it under the lemon tree, mm. and it seemed yeah. to work. Yeah. Um, and I was given that uh, technique by a now long-dead director of the Geelong Botanic Gardens, George Vaffiopoulos, and George used to do it to the tree in the uh, director's residence at Geelong, the lemon tree there, and it had lemons the size of blasted grapefruit, and they weren't all skin. They were all flesh, and they were the most magnificent lemons I've ever seen in my life. And he used to do it in about uh, end of February, and he used to do it again in September, and he used the washing soda. So if I put that on my Lisbon lemon, the pith will disappear, will it? No, not necessarily, (laughs) because in cold climates, of course, they often get more pithy because of the climate, but it can help. Yep. You know, and certainly I've done it on yellow, miserable old lemon trees, and it's brought them back. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the washing soda seems to work. And I know I'm going to regret this because I'm, we're going to get masses mm. of inquiries about it again. But two ounces per foot in height of tree, divided up into four or five holes, round the outside of the tree, 
crystals in the ground, though. You don't turn it into liquid. So you put the crystals in the ground, you let nature take its course. Or you can come to our plant yeah, fair. We've got Len Rayner there, who's a yeah. citrus specialist. Yeah, but he won't know about that. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> well, he might. He he, might. He's, he's older than me. Yeah, but it is one of those weird things that, you know, just came my way years ago, and everybody who's tried it seems to think it works really Give well. Give it a bash. Yeah, so it's worthwhile uh, having a go at that, John. And it does seem to make okay, the fruit nice and, that, nice and Thanks. juicy. Yep. All right, we'll catch Thanks up. Thanks for that, guys. Thanks. That's a pleasure. Bye. Bye. All right, so there we go. So that's all of the calls in at the moment. We've still got uh, best part of 10 minutes to go, so we've still got a few minutes left. Have you got anything else you I would have. like to talk about? Pelagonium extipulatum. You're telling me that's a pelagonium. It's a pelagonium indeed, yeah. What it's, a bizarre it's, thing. Yeah, it is, and it's, it's one for the collectors. Yeah. It's not the sort of thing that your average gardener is going to put in their garden. Tiny white, almost silver leaves. Yeah. Um, little pink flowers with just a touch of mauve in them. Yeah. Yeah. And is it, what, it, it looks shrubby. It's shrubby and yeah. it makes tubers. Uh, so it's one of those that comes from dryish environments. Very dry. It doesn't, not that happy in a lender. It's happy when customers buy it and take it, take <laughs> take it, it to Melbourne. Take it out of the hills. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But look, it's an interesting plant. It, it, it's, you'd look at it and you would not think that it was a pelagonium. I certainly wouldn't have. If you asked me, I wouldn't have guessed in yeah. that general fragrant? direction. Is it fragrant? I don't know. I've never. Never thought to, to check it. Yep. A bit cinnamony. Yeah. Oh, well, there you go. There you go. Well, we've got a yes, barrier. We've got, we've got screens in front yeah. of us these days. No, I wouldn't have picked this for a pelagonium for quids. Its leaves are minute. They're tiny. Mm. Um, and it makes it probably a 25-centimetre shrub yeah. all around. I assume it likes an open, sunny aspect. It does not like an open, sunny aspect. It yeah. doesn't like a linda. Yeah. But oh. it is rather cute. It is, and it, it, the flowers are nice. And, and, and it's odd to get a pelagonium with that touch of mauve in it. It's, yeah. it's not really a pink. Yeah. Well, I guess if it weren't a pelagonium, you'd probably want to grow it anyway. Yeah. So it's just that it's an oddity within its genus. That's right. Uh, so it's still probably uh, one of those sort of plants that people would go, that's a nice little grey plant. I like mm. that. For a dry rockery, it's perfect. Yeah. 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 So what height did you say it grows to? 25 by 25. Yeah, so quite small. Yeah, it's quite yeah. small. Yeah. Which is befitting the tiny little leaves. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I wonder if you could bonsai it. Tubers might be an issue. We grow uh, quite a, few, a range of, of fragrant and scented pelagoniums, and some of the nutmeggy type ones, the pelagonium fragrance, look very similar to that, just bigger. Yeah. And same with the, the coconut one. They, mm. they have that very similar, very similar foliage, yeah. just bigger. Yeah. So it's not that... If you compare it to the big lemon, lemon like peppermint pelagoniums are quite different. But yeah. Some of those other fragrant ones, there's a lot of really unusual species. I looked at species pelagoniums, but they don't like a linda. No, you're mm. probably in the wrong place. I've been in the wrong place. Yeah. 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 yeah, you'd be better down Geelong or yeah, somewhere like right. that if yeah. you were going to go into yeah. the pelagoniums. I'd stick with your begonias. Yeah. Uh, well, they don't. Well, yeah, they're, they're, they're on the margin. Yeah. Any higher, I wouldn't be growing them. Yeah. Mm. yeah but you want to grow something with a bit of a challenge to it. Always. Not uh, commercially uh, necessarily. Yeah. The <laughs> full of challenges. Yeah. Otherwise, you just grow weeds. Yeah, well, exactly. Well, you know, why am I growing neotropical blueberries, for God's sake, at Mount yeah. Macedon? Because you're Stephen Ryan. Because I am, and I love them, and, I, yeah, and, yeah. and I've managed to collect a few. Hmm. I might add, we've got an Australian one uh, that comes from up around Mount Finnegan and those areas up in northern Queensland hmm. uh, that was for a long time included with agapetes the, um, that come mainly from yeah. the Himalayas. Uh, it's now in its own genus called Paphia, which apparently was its original name that Von Mueller gave it. 
when right. he first discovered it. And it grows in the same area as the rhododendron locky yep. grows. Mm, okay. um, and it gets tubular flowers, not dissimilar to this um, Maclenia from Costa Rica, uh, probably slightly bigger, similar shade of pink, doesn't have the white tip to it, uh, gets quite large blackberries on it, and it can become quite a tall climber. Right. So I lost one, unfortunately, that I had growing up the side of a messmate, and it had worked its way through the bark of the messmate, and it had got itself up about three to four metres high, okay. uh, but it dried out too much in, in a summer one year and collapsed on me yeah. before I realised what I'd done. And... Uh, and it's rather handsome. That and was probably the drought years. Uh, a lot it, of things dried yeah, out then. It probably was, Craig. Uh. Uh, and I'm going to have another crack at it in the garden at home because uh. I think the paffy is really, really charming. Yeah. Um, so, you know, so we have our own neotropical blueberry coming from northern Queensland. There you go. Well... And it, it seems comparatively cold. Huh? They're probably Gondwana land type plants. If, it's, if you're talking about, you know, from Central America, southern, northern South America and Australia, yeah. they'd be probably very closely related well, they probably are, and in fact, I think there's still a lot of dispute over names and things mm. within this part of the Ericaceae family. Um, uh, but they're really, they all have characteristics that are similar. Most of them grow uh, as partially as epiphytes, so they all make great pot plants because yeah. they never have particularly big roots. Mm. Some of them produce lignotubers at the top, particularly the agapetes. They can get oh. quite large yeah. lignotubers, so they don't need a lot of watering. Uh, and they're elegant, archy sort of... Yeah. plants. Their waxy flowers last for ages. And their flowers are great. Yeah, yeah. And, and the glossy foliage is good. Many of them have fantastic uh, new growth, so that's another yeah. added bonus. And I haven't checked with this one yet, but I certainly know with the agapetes that uh, they're much loved by our local spinebills and mm. New Holland okay. honey eaters and things. So well, as so many of those American things are. Yeah, yeah. well, they're yeah. bird-pollinated right. in nature, yeah. so, yeah. You know, so they do tend to be that way. So, um, yeah, so if you've got a nice plant of this on the back porch from the looking out of, from the kitchen window, you might well have some bird life come in as well that you've attracted yeah. by having pleasant. these plants. I mm. think it is. Mm-hmm. I've got two agapiti serpents in pots outside my kitchen, and when they're in flower, the little honey eaters are the flitting through. Come, yeah. And it's lovely. Yeah. You know, so I think they're a, a much underutilised group of plants. Yeah. Uh, and so I'm always going to look for another one. I've got... Well, I've got the Dimorphanthera from New Guinea coming into flower at the moment, the one I've been able to identify, but I've been given plants of two other New Guinean Dimorphanthera's, no idea what they are, but they've got interesting foliage, so it'll be interesting to see what they do when I eventually get them to flower. And it'll be interesting to see how much cold they'll actually cope with. Certainly, I've got them through the winter without any problems just in the igloo. Mm. Mm. Um, and it gets very cold in there, um, but it just keeps the frost off them. Yeah, and, and, you, can, and you keep them a bit dry. Yeah, and I can sort of let them dry yeah. out a wee bit for the winter. Um, so with a modicum of care, I reckon these would grow better in Melbourne, actually, than they probably grow mm. for me. Yeah. Um, a bit like the Varea rhododendrons, really. I, I would treat them in much the same way. So, you know, shady aspect, uh, pot-grown or hanging basket-grown is mm. ideal. Uh, you could probably grow them in a length of tree fern log without any problems. Um, so you could treat them just like Varea rhododendrons. Mm. So I, w- I want a couple. Do you? Mm. Well, you might have to wait for a while, Clive, but anyhow, <laughs> it'll give you something to live for. Uh, now, we've only got a couple of minutes to go, so I need to start thinking about where I'm putting things and what I'm doing and all that sort of stuff in a moment. Um, but we need to finish off with a little bit of a talk about the fair. Plant fair. For those who were asleep this morning, we started so the Yarra Valley Autumn Plant Fair. That's next weekend, 17th and 18th of April, 125 Quail Road with a Y, Quail Road, Wandon. 
go to the website, yarravalleyplantfair.com.au to buy tickets, 10am to 5pm. Great 34 stands there, plant people from all different types of plants and people from all over the state. So you'll have a great fun time. If you can buy tickets online, it makes it a bit easier because then you get your COVID record. You don't have to do that little scanning thing as you walk up the driveway, but you can still buy tickets on site. Yeah. And there'll be some lovely local wine, beer, Devonshire teas, and their regular sausage sizzle for those that like sausages. Yeah. Well, uh, there are those. Yeah. Bunnings have, d- have done a great job in sausages for years. Yeah. <laughs> so I just love them every time I go there. I now, now I, if I know I'm going to go to Bunnings, I don't have breakfast now, so I can have a sausage. Yeah, well, that <laughs> yeah. sounds quite yeah. reasonable. Yeah. yeah, so there you go. All right, well, we are heading on towards 30 seconds to go or thereabouts. Um, so I would like to thank our off-air team for all their efforts this morning, making sure that the calls came through, etc., etc. Um and uh, I'd like to thank Clive, I'd like to thank Craig, and uh, yours truly, Stephen Ryan, and hopefully we'll catch up with you again in the near future. So uh, we might see you sometime soon. You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.